is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? TGIF, welcome to a Friday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily as we get you ready for the Labor Day long weekend. Some big games in the Canadian Football League, including the Labor Day Classic between the Bombers and Rough Riders. And of course, lots of hockey talk today with the official word that the NHL players will be at the 2022 Beijing Olympics. Uh, great to have you with us. Andrew Patterson here along with the CTO, Michael Remus. We've got a great show. We will talk about the upcoming Olympics with Matt Larkin of the Hockey News. Looking forward to that. And then the man that will be calling the game for TSN, Dustin Nielsen, our good friend, my partner on the lock shop. He's going to join us a little bit later on the program to set up the big game between the Bombers and Riders, as well as get his thoughts on a number of other sports topics. Always fun having Dusty on the program. Now, if you're with us on YouTube, be sure to stick around at the end of the show because we've got a Bomber game on the weekend. That means we've got another great I Love Rye package to give away in a marble race at the end of the program. So uh, for everyone with us on YouTube, stick around. We will have a very special contest next week, which we'll execute through social media for an amazing prize from our friends over at Canadian Club. Uh, big shout out to all of our sponsors, including our newest sponsor, Manitoba Battery. Of course, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky TQ Group, uh, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Corp, Canadian Club, as we mentioned, Assiniboia Downs, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Breezy Bend, and Cool Bet Canada. All right, lots to get to. Let's get Michael Remus in here and get things going as I welcome in everyone that's with us live today on the chat. And for those of you, especially, I imagine there's probably quite a few folks that might be listening to the podcast on the way out west. Everyone drive safely, party safely, have a great weekend and hopefully you'll be coming back with smiles on your faces after a big Blue Bomber win on the weekend. Uh, Remo, what's going on? I'm fired up. I'm in a really good mood today. Uh, Me too. First, first of all, one, it's a long weekend, but not even that. It's uh, the fact that we got the official confirmation today. It's happening. NHL players at the Olympics this year. I've already started uh, reading roster, you know, roster <laughs> predictions. Um, I got. Is there a schedule out for the games? I got to put them in my uh, shared calendar with my wife so she knows when I'm not going to be available. Um, there's there's lots uh, lots of excitement for sure. Like which Winnipeg Jets are going to be there? I'm wondering what jerseys is Canada going to wear? Um, is it going to be the jerseys that we saw from the women at the Worlds? Will they be having new jerseys? Uh, I'm partial to the 2002 jerseys here. Uh, they're behind my head. You can't see. I got the Sackick. I got the Sackick 02 one. Um, but yeah, there's. There's lots. We can speak. I'm already starting to plan my Olympic hockey pool with my friend. One of my friends texted oh. me, all right, we're doing an Olympic pool. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I'll never forget drafting uh, Rusty Olesh back in uh, 2006. I think I forget what country's on. He's on Czech. It was like a late, late pick. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, you know, you mentioned getting our clocks ready. Uh, I'm just wondering. I've just pulled this up right now. So Beijing is 13 hours ahead of Winnipeg. So if a game was at 7 p.m. Beijing time, I guess that starts 6 a.m. here. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see whether, I mean, a day game, and there probably will be some day games. Like if there's a, if it's a one o'clock start in Beijing, 1 p.m., that would be midnight here. 
I'm in. So I don't know. It's basically, I'm yeah, I'm in too. I mean, it doesn't matter what time of the day, we will be there. I mean, I still remember the bars opening up at five in the morning for the uh, the Canada-Sweden mm-hmm. gold medal game back in uh, in the Korea Olympics. And I imagine these this sort of time frame will be, it would be relatively similar. So we can talk about the times, we can talk about the jerseys, but I think what people are most interested in is talking about the team. And we'll kind of focus in on Team Canada with Matt Larkin coming up in a few minutes. But it is interesting right now, Remus, from a Jets perspective to talk about, you know, just what members of our team are going to be on this club. I think it is, uh, you know, fait accompli that Connor Hellebuck will be, mm. in all likelihood, the starting goaltender for Team USA. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers, after qualifying, probably putting his team on his back, qualifying for the Olympics in Denmark for the first time, is an automatic lock. Um, I think it's highly likely Kyle Connors on the team. Interesting about Blake Wheeler, um, you know, and you brought this up beforehand. I mean, at Blake Wheeler's age, does you know, you know, and having been to the Olympics already, is that even something that he would want to do? I would imagine he would. I mean, it's such a great honor, best on best, and. You know, he's captain of the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, still a you know very productive player in the NHL. If Wheeler had that opportunity, I would imagine he'd be in there. Um, and you know what? Looking at a number of projected USA rosters, Wheeler's on them a lot more often than not. Weem. So, I mean, I think that there certainly is the potential of Wheeler there. Kyle Connor probably more likely. And then beyond that, um, you know, it's sort of more, you know, we'll see. I mean, Mark Scheifele, I think, is in a very good position. Certainly, if he has a good first half of the season, I think he'll be on the team. Where he fits in the roster, is he in the top 12? Is he the 13th forward? I think all of those would be big discussions. And then a player like Josh Morrissey, who I think a year or two ago was thought that he would be on the team, I think sort of has a little bit of work to work to do coming up in the uh, in the first half of the season um, to earn a spot on that club. It is going to be fascinating with this in the backdrop. I mean, really, throughout the first half of the season, you know, when guys are hot, when things are going well for teams, um, the other side of it is the combination that maybe guys can lift their stock when it comes to, you know, the uh, Olympic teams for their respective countries. And, you know, uh, listen, Nate Schmidt, Neil Pionk uh, certainly would probably be in the conversation for Team USA, but I think they'd probably be more long shots right now. Um, but I think basically the guys we mentioned, Hellebuck, Ehlers, guaranteed, KFC, very likely, Wheeler a possibility. And I think right now you'd have to say Mark Scheifele is likely on that team. Um, but again, I don't think it's a guarantee just because of how many great players Canada has vying for spots on the roster. Yeah, Canada has a lot of, you know, very strong centers. And I've seen Scheifele listed in projections, you know, from TSN and Hockey News, The Athletic has theirs. And Shifley's kind of on the bottom, and I know that he said that it's a goal of his to play. He wants to be there. I think they're looking for players who are more defensively responsible, and in the past, um, he hasn't been. I think that's an area he can work on, but you know he can score. You know he scored in big games, and I've seen you know Mitch Marner on the wing. I don't know. I'd put maybe want to put Shifley, a guy who can play center, a guy who sco- shows up in big games. I was like, I said to you off air, I'm like, Mitch Marner, the guy who's never scored a playoff, a playoff goal. Uh, you're putting him on the team. I know he's obviously a very, very good, uh, you know, good player. He's among you know the top point getters. So, uh, pl- you know, lack of playoff success aside, uh, we'll wait and see. I mean, Matt Barcel, John Tavares. There's a number. I mean, there's so many centers: Ryan O'Reilly, Sean Couturier. It's going to be really hard um, for Mark Shifley to uh, you know to rise above. But I think he can do. It. I think he's definitely capable. And again, yeah, Josh Morris. He's kind of fell off the last year. I wouldn't. 
I don't think he's going to be in the conversation. But th- there's some really, uh, you know, really strong defensemen uh, on this Team Canada. And it's going to be very, you know, I'd say they're er- early favorite. Team USA, I mean, this is the Team USA you've been waiting for a, to see for a while. I mean, if it, they went to the Olympics last time, they may have even had a stronger team. But they have so many, so much young talent. They've had so much international success at the Worlds and at um, the World Juniors. And for the, the Jets, yeah, I would Connor Hellbuck, he'll probably be battling with John Gibson for that starter spot. And Kyle Connor, I'd say well, good on. Some people are sleeping on John Gibson. I mean, I was mm-hmm. looking at, you know, a number of these rosters for the USA, you know, really kind of see, you know, is Wheeler in there? Where do they have Kyle Connor and whatnot? And, you know, Hellebach is pretty much the starter on every list. But another them have a number of them have Thatcher Demko as the backup. That's insane to me. I mean, John Gibson to me is a no-brainer to be the, you know, the number two. And honestly, a very good option, um, you know, if Hellebuck, you know, needs a rest or, you know, you're going to your number two for a game. Um, Dan Asham, what up, Dan, says, do you think Carey Price will be the number one goalie for Canada? Well, I mean, who else is, go- who else is it going to be? Uh, I mean, to me, and that was what was so fascinating about last season, Reem, is that, you know, I think a lot of people expected Carter Hart to step up and be sort of the next great Canadian goalie. He had one of the most miserable seasons of any goalie in the league last year. And Jordan Bennington wasn't very good. I mean, the two guys that really stood at the top were Carey Price and Marc-Andre Fleury, who won the Vesna Trophy. Uh, and, you know, if you told me a year or two ago that we'd be talking about those two as the top Canadian goalies, I would have said that you're crazy. But I'll tell you what, I mean, you look around the National Hockey League and uh, the United States, the Russians with Vasilevsky, Swedes, Finns, I mean, there's so many great goalies from countries all around the world that if there's one spot on the Canadian team that you would think might be somewhat concerning or maybe doesn't match up to the depth of the other clubs, surprisingly, it's in net. And that certainly wasn't the case for the better part of the last 20, 25 years. Yeah, I know. Uh, Canada's always been so loaded. Uh, Brodeur, Curtis Joseph, Patrick Waugh in the past, I, you know, they would always be uh, those guys. In the in the list, oh Luongo as well. Sorry, and um, you know now we were kind of waiting. Okay, who's going to take the throne? You said Carter Hart didn't really grab the reins. Uh, Jordan Bennington, you know they won the cup, but he had a down year. Uh, I saw Rob Mahoney mentioning Mackenzie Blackwood, and I, I think he's kind of overlooked in New Jersey. But if you had to pick one, I mean it's between Kerry Price and Mark Andre Fleury as the starter. Price coming off this injury, we'll have to wait and see how he is. So I would put Fleury number one. I mean he's the Vesna Trophy winner. He's a big-time playoff performer. We, you're telling we, me you're playing Flurry over Carey Price if they're both healthy? I'm not. I, that's not what I'm saying. I said right now I would have I would have Flurry ahead of Price because right now Price has a knee is just had knee surgery. Yeah, and we don't, well, and we don't know how he's going to be if, if they're both healthy. I'll probably lean Price, but I'm saying right now in real life I'm picking Flurry because Price is is injured. So. Uh, I would say Fleury is, is, and he's the Vesna Trophy winner. I mean, how is there a wrong, how is there, like, we can argue about Price versus Fleury, but how is there a wrong pick? We saw what Kerry Price did in the playoffs, and Fleury's the Vesna Trophy. I mean, you're telling me if I, it's just amazing that there's no younger guys really challenging. I mean, you got Mackenzie Blackwood and Jordan Bennington and Carter Hart. And I mean, I don't think any Canadian would feel very confident going up in a best on best with any of those three guys in net. So, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be the veterans. It'll be either Carey Price or Marc-Andre Fleury. I would assume that they'll be the one-two guys. But I think a lot of it will have to do with, you know, how things go. Certainly, to your point uh, about the surgery uh, with Carey Price, his health first and foremost. And, you know, we'll see how Marc-Andre Fleury does in his new club with the uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks. 
You know, I got to see this. Joe from Winnipeg. Joe, I love you, but this is a terrible take. Wheeler is too old to play. He should rest for the playoffs. We overrate Wheeler in this market. He's a fourth liner on any other team, yes. like Spezza or Thornton. Dude, dude. Yes. Guys, he had back-to-back 91-point seasons, and even last year when a lot of people were concerned about is there a big drop-off in his play, it was just about a point-to-game player. So, I mean, that's... Listen, I, I've got some time for the fact that maybe he's not the guy that was the back-to-back 90-point guy, but let's get serious here. I mean, he's still a very effective top-six player, will be a top-six guy for a while for the Winnipeg Jets at least. And as I said, you don't, we're not talking about in this market. I'm going around and, you know, pulling or checking out, you know, projected rosters from a lot of people that cover the league in the United States. And more often than not, Wheeler's on that list. So uh, it's not really a Winnipeg thing. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I, I, as I said a couple times, because it is weird that, you know, you do get that sentiment from a small amount of Jet fans. Uh, the, the demise of Blake Wheeler, if you will, um, overrated and overstated from my personal opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm not on that team at all. I know he had he had a down year. I think he was hurt, so I want to see how he is a full season. But I think he is in the conversation for Team USA for sure. I saw the athletic. He was on their bubble. He didn't make the athletics team. He made, uh, I think, Emily Kaplan from ESPN. She had a team on, posted on the TSN website, and he was on. I mean, we can go through these teams. But I think uh, he's definitely fringe. And we talked yesterday and before the show how he was on Team USA. He was like in his prime at that time at the, uh, what was it? That Was that 2014? Olympics yeah. or approaching, you know, so pr- approaching and didn't really get too much playing time. But when he did, he was showed up as one of the best players on the ice. And it was disappointing how much the coaches, uh, you know, didn't they really trust it. him. Yeah, they didn't they, use him it, at it all. Was, it was so, it was like the last 10 minutes in that game, they finally put Wheeler out there and then they were playing him every second shift because he was all over the place. But <laughs> anyways, let the Americans worry about their problems. We'll focus on mm-hmm. Team Canada right now. Um, but I'm just really happy this is happening. The guy I'm happiest the most for, Reem, is Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, when you think about what he's been, you know, in helping grow the Danish program, certainly his father's role in all of it, you know, the way they made it through the qualifying to get into the Olympics for the first time, uh, you know, Ehlers is going to be, uh, it'll be a great, great experience for Ehlers, you know, to really be a leader on that team. I think it'll help him, you know, as a Winnipeg Jet as well. And here's the other thing, Reem, as we go into the season and drop the puck and everybody knows that, you know, what happens on the ice is going to be very impactful as to who makes respective clubs and who doesn't outside of the shoe ins. I mean, how motivated is Mark Scheifele going to be to have a great first half of the season? Are yes. you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I think he's going to be ready to go. I think you could say the same thing about Kyle Connor. The Wheeler question is interesting because, and you brought this up, I mean, at his age, you know, it, would he prefer to have a couple weeks off and to rest and prepare? I mean, from a Jets perspective, if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff or Paul Maurice, maybe you think that way. Uh, but again, I'm sure it'll come down to the players. And of course, the other thing is, is that there's going to be some pretty heavy protocols for all of the players to go over there. They've worried about, they've got the insurance taken care of when it comes to on the ice injuries. I believe there's some sort of like a $5 million fund uh, for COVID insurance for if players come back and miss games because of that. Uh, but again, all of that semantics, all of that's details for the tall foreheads in the front offices to worry about. For hockey fans, get ready for three, four, five months of debates and conversation about who will be representing the respective countries and particularly Team Canada when we're talking about it here on Winnipeg Sports Talk.
Oh yeah, I'm I'm here for that. I remember I was in a pool once where you had to like predict what Team Canada's uh, roster was going to be. I think that was like 2006 ish, maybe even 2002. I f- I forget. And yeah, I mean the Olympic pools. Uh, I don't know if the cool bet has odds now on Olympics. I mean that's the first thing I I thought of. Canada has to be heavy heavy favorite. I was looking at projected Sweden. They look pretty strong too. Um, Russia. Maybe not as deep, but uh, the top end. Uh, it's not talent. Russia, by the way. It's the so, Rock. It's or the, the Rock. O A R. R O C. Athletes from Russia. I think it's R O C. Russian Olympic Committee. Yeah. It's, and then Finland looks solid. Um, Czech Republic. I don't think they are where you know they're not quite what nineteen ninety eight level Czech Republic, but um, you know they're always competitive. So I am very excited. And you mentioned the protocols. All the players, you know, have to be vaccinated. It seems like it's going to be very. Uh, very tight, uh, sorry, very tight uh, rules on you know the the internal bubble that they're going to have to be reducing contacts. Um, something to be. I think that's always just something in the back burner of when you're going overseas to a tournament like this. No doubt about it. All right, we'll get to it. We will talk about the soccer game last night as well. A big one-one tie for Canada. Somewhat disappointing. Well, neat, really was hoping that they'd be able to get the three points, but considering they were down one nothing. Um, you know, to get the result and play the way they did in the second half. Looking forward to that game coming up on Sunday against the United States. All right, before we uh, get to Matt Larkin, uh, do you want to give a shout out to our newest sponsor, the gang over at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. Uh, these are the guys that have batteries for literally everything. And, uh, you know, in the summer right now, you know, the industrial farm, power sports quads, all the, the toys, if you will. Uh, but we're now getting into automotive season. And if you at any point need a battery, don't waste your time going and parking in Costco. You'll be able to get a better battery at a better price delivered right to you at less than you will at any of the big box stores. And you simply do that by uh, giving the guys a call over at Manitoba Battery at 783-8787. But right now, September special, $20 maintainer for your battery, for your summer car or boat. Uh, keeps it charged throughout the winter so that when you want to get back in it next spring, you are good to go immediately by turning the key. Um, they've got lots going on going into the winter. Uh, you do not want to be that guy that, you know, once it gets to be minus 30, you're one of the million people in line. Be proactive on it. Uh, they can take care of whatever your battery needs are. Uh, give Donnie and the boys a call. The Maestro, Curly. Oh, and by the way, check them out on Facebook and TikTok. Volt, their mascot today, was seen smashing watermelons, getting ready for the Labor Day Classic on the weekend. Find them online at manitobabattery.com. Big shout out to our friends at Royal Sports. If you are making the trip out to Regina and you maybe need a little bit of extra blue gear, hit up Royal at 750 Pemina Highway. Might have one or two Winnipeg Sports Talk hats as well left. We'll have to check on the inventory, but they're right down to the final stretches. And of course, with the NFL season coming up, all 32 teams represented with some incredible lids, jerseys, merch. Of course, the NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and of course, your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Not to mention bikes, camping equipment, and the best and biggest hockey selection of equipment and sticks in the city of Winnipeg. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Big thanks to them for the support over the years of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And hey, it's a long weekend. We're kind of winding down the summer. 
Still lots of time to go out and enjoy some blizzards with the family. Maybe an ultimate grill burger at one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Of course, the DQ at Niverville and Northgate have drive throughs You can also pop by the DQ at Polo Park or DQ on St. Anne's. And if you are having maybe a Labor Day game party, be the hero. Get a DQ ice cream cake and uh, hit them up on Instagram if you want, at DQ Manitoba. They'll get it all ready for you. You can just pop by any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs to pick up. All right. Let's get to some hockey talk and welcome in Matt Larkin from the Hockey News. Matt, it's great to have you on the program. What's going on? It's good to be here, and I'm hearing you describe those DQ treats. They sound delicious. Now I'm getting hungry, Hustler. <laughs> you got it. That often happens when we come into the uh, the first segment um, after mentioning the blizzards going into the weekend. You know, it was funny. We were going to sort of talk upcoming season and fantasy hockey, but all of that goes out the window when we get the green light that NHLers are going to be going to the Olympics. I, I think we were all pretty, I had a good feeling that this was going to happen, but until I heard it officially, uh, I was holding out. Now it's on. We know we're going to be talking about it for the next number of months, and uh, it's going to be eight years since a true best on best. And um, the hockey fans, the big winners today with this news. That's right. It's amazing. And as I start talking, as soon as I start talking here, Hustle, you can hear they're, they're practicing for the Toronto Air Show. So there is currently a fighter jet flying above my house. If you can hear it, if you're watching and listening right now. So I apologize, but it sort of fits the, the Winnipeg theme. This is Jets country. So maybe it's on it's on point. But I'm just as excited as you are. And I agree. Best on best. You could say the 2016 World Cup was technically best on best. But I think the Olympics... That's the pinnacle. 2018, it wasn't the same, of course, without the NHLers. It was exciting to see Germany go on that run, but you knew in your heart it wasn't really a silver medal. And the World Championship every year, I always sort of liken it to when you're playing street hockey as a kid, you're knocking on doors, you're seeing who's available. So every team, they're supplying whoever missed the playoffs, whoever's out of the playoffs. It's not really a best on best when it's sort of a selection of whichever players are kind of waiting around and available to play. So it's extremely exciting, and I think the field is going to be as competitive as ever. Canada looks amazing on paper, but I think there's going to be really stiff competition as well. No, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, when we speak about the Olympics and the best on best, I mean, the World Cup of Hockey was really fun. But the minute you took all the best young players and stuck them on that other team, I mean, like, listen, it was cool to watch and it was entertaining, but you could no longer say it was a best on best when you've got players like Shifley and Connor McDavid, you know, on a different team than they would be playing for Canada. This has been the tournament that we're waiting for a long time. Let me start. Let's focus on Team Canada for a minute, um, because I think the conversations at forward and defense are very interesting. I mean, we know how deep the talent pool is. It is surprising, though, when you compare Canada to the rest of the of the world in net right now. Um I mean, who would have thought eight years ago we'd still be talking about Carey Price and Marc-Andre Fleury really is kind of the one-two options for Canada. Um, what do you make of the goaltending situation for Canada? Um, do you think that those two will be one-two? And then who's the third goalie? I mean, Carter Hart had a miserable season last year. Jordan Pennington has been very up and down. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, a very talented young player. I mean, you know Canada will want to have a young goalie. Uh, who will that be? But will it really be Carey Price and Marc-Andre Fleury, do you think, that will have the job of legitimately playing in those games? Well, it's amazing, too, when you mentioned eight years ago. Even one year ago, the landscape, I think, looked really different. If you look at Marc-Andre Fleury, there was a lot of things in flux with his role with the Vegas Golden Knights and it was before he was traded, but it was much more of a timeshare situation than Robin Lehner. A year later, he's the reigning Vezina Trophy winner. I think he's locked into a number two spot on that team. And Carey Price, we know 
in the regular season, three of the last four years, he's not been a very good goaltender in the regular season, despite playing on Habs team that played pretty good defense in front of him. But he proved in the playoffs this year, especially last year too, but especially during this run, he's still the money goalie. And I think most people would say Andre Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the world, but if it's one shot in overtime and you need someone to win a game seven for you, I still think in the back of people people's minds, Carey Price has that mystique, and we know he was pretty much invincible for Canada in the 2014 Olympics, so that spot is his to lose. The number three spot, I agree, it's very much in flux. A year ago, I would have thought it was Carter Hart's just a prodigy coming up with the Philadelphia Flyers. And what was so strange about this season for him is he's so mentally strong, right? He's grown up with a sports psychologist for most of his young adult life. So to see that kind of implosion, it was so uncharacteristic for him that I think it's a wait-and-see approach, depending on when, when Canada uh, names the team. You're going to need to see a lot from Carter Hart if he's going to get that spot. If you want the safe pick, I think it's Jordan Middleton because we've seen him proving himself in high-stakes games before, winning a Stanley Cup in 2019 in St. Louis. But if you split the difference between the two, I think you got to look at Darcy Kemper. He was tabbed by Canada for the World Championship. Colorado has decided he's good enough to be their starting goaltender on a cup contending team. Maybe some would say a cup favorite. And Kemper, playing on some pretty bad Arizona teams, was still very good the last few years. For him, it's a matter of health, but I think he's a very, very solid number three. If I have to pick the team right now, I think Kemper's my number three. Oh, it's a, you know, it's interesting you bring up Kemper because honestly, and maybe because he's sort of been out of sight or mind playing with the Coyotes. That's not a name that comes up a lot, but you know he certainly does deserve consideration. When it comes to the forwards for Canada, there are some slam dunks. I'm going to hit with some, with some names. Are any of these players not 100% on your roster? McKinnon, obviously, Sidney Crosby, uh, Connor McDavid, Brad Marchand, Braden Point, Mark Stone, uh, Mitch Marner. Is Mitch Marner an automatic for the team, Matt? I think he is because of what he brings. You know, if you look at the different skill sets available to Canada, they have so many players who are natural centers. And if you look at a lot of people are talking up the imaginary shutdown line, line four, which would be Couturier or Riley and Stone. Unbelievable checking line. You've got probably Marshawn Crosby Bergeron together. But Mitch Marner, just as a playmaking right winger, he's a very unique player. And I don't think there'd be another player on the team, especially on the right side does exactly what Marner does. So if you can put him on a line where he's complimenting his shooter, so if, for example, Steven Stamkos, who, who I don't think is actually a lock to make the team, but if you decide you want Stamkos out there in a power play role, maybe you have Marner, someone who can really get him the puck. And because of his puck distribution skills, I think he's one of the best three passers in the world, top five passers in the world. I do think you want him out there. I think Patrice Bergeron's probably on the squad as well. I mean, considering the level he still plays at and everything that he brings. But let me throw these names out to you. Jonathan Huberto, John Tavares, Steven Stamkos, Mark Shifley, Matt Barzell. Uh, I'm not sure if there's room for all of those players. Um, And I realize a lot of it probably will be determined by what happens in the first few months of the NHL season. But how would you categorize that group of players? And then there's some guys that are more in or more out of that group. For sure. I think you've named pretty much the bubble there. Um, with the exception, in my opinion, of Uberdo, I think that Jonathan Uberdo is a lock to make the team because if you look at the candidates, there are not many natural left wingers in the mix here for Canada, right? So Brad Marchand is one. And other than that, if we're looking at all the candidates, there's so many guys that are centers that are going to have to be playing the wing and recast as wingers, but I do think you want at least two natural left wingers on the team. And I think Uberto has proven himself. He can play a really versatile game both ends of the ice. Even his physical play is underrated. He's a good playmaker that you want on the left side as well. So for me, he's in, and I think he's as close to a lock as you're going to get in that second tier. 
As for the rest, I think it's very much in flux. John Tavares is a guy who I think is in tough to make the team. It's not just because he's coming back from a major injury, but if you look at all the things he does, okay, he's a good face-off man. He's good at both ends of the ice. Well, you have guys who are better in that regard. You have a Selkie Trophy winner in Sean Couturier, a Selkie Trophy winner, winner in Ryan O'Reilly. So those guys are probably better picks for your fourth line. And in terms of offensive skill, well, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, Sidney Crosby, they're all superior to Tavares in that regard. So I don't know where he fits. I think the same could be said for Mark Scheifele, for Matt Barzell. The thing about Scheifele is at least his goal-scoring ability could be a fit if he makes the team. I think that's why, because he's one of the better goal-scoring centers in the NHL. And for me, speaking of goal-scoring, that's why I would have Steven Sampos on my team. He might not be the most versatile piece out there, but if you look at all the players that are projected to make the team, they're all such all-around good players. You need a pure shooter out there, especially on the power play. And I don't know if there's anyone else that can do what Steven Stamkos does in terms of the Canadian pool, because obviously you have someone like Alex Ovechkin for Russia, who has that one-timer. You have Austin Matthews, who's developed that one-timer for the Americans. But I think you need that trigger man on the power play. So even if you just use Steven Stamkos as a specialist, you play him on your third line, and then you roll him out there on the top power play unit, I think he brings something that is different than what other players can bring. So to me, he's going to make my team Canada. Uh, so are you thinking Ryan O'Reilly's on? I mean, we'll have Kachuri, O'Reilly, and Mark Stone putting together. I mean, honestly, when you look at that on paper, you want to talk about a shutdown line of a team that can also produce. Um, I could see that being a fourth line that actually gets a lot of playing time. Yes, and especially if you look at the Canadian Brain Trust, right, and Doug Armstrong's role, I think you have to include that as an influencer on getting Ryan O'Reilly onto that team. And I think he's just proven himself that – he can handle the high stakes. He can go against the other team's best player. He's done it as a con Smythe Trophy winner as well. And I think the hallmark of Canada in the Steve Eiserman era, so even though Eiserman's no longer the architect, but if you look at what made those teams special is they built teams that were, yes, loaded with talent, but they didn't always go with just the purely talented players. Like Tyler Sagan didn't make those teams. Claude Drew didn't make those teams because Canada tried to build realistic hockey teams with lines that could do different things. And I think having that shutdown line would just make Canada so hard to play against. If you're playing Russia, they have all those superstar forwards. Let's say they meet in a later round where you just throw that smothering shutdown line out there and they can handle the toughest matchups because you have three players on that line that are used to being incredibly good at handling tough matchups, Katuri and O'Reilly. Stone in a different way. What Stone does better than any player in this entire generation is intercept passes. He catches pucks on his stick. I've never seen anyone do it the way he does. So he's really good in transition and with all the skill in the lineup, that's going to be a really good complimentary piece as well. So as you can tell, just this Canadian team is going to be stacked and we're only talking about the forwards. We haven't even gotten to the defense yet. It's going to be a very yeah, tough before team. Before we be. get to the defense, let me just throw out some other names of guys that, you know, would be considered, but probably have some work to do. Taylor Hall, uh, Tyler Sagan, um, Logan Couture, who's, I mean, again, we sort of forget about Couture, but I mean, he's done a lot in for King Canada in the past. Claude Giroux, Bo Horvat. Um, any of those players do you think have a better chance of maybe barging into the conversation? Or I think it's safe to say, no matter what, any of those guys that they want to be on the team would have to have a monster first few months of the season. Yeah, and I do think you have to look at Taylor Hall because of what I said before about natural left wingers. Uh, he's someone you'd want to consider. But if you look at the history of Canadian drafts and the decisions they've made, Hall has never been really a favorite of theirs. Neither has Tyler Sagan. I think there's just perceptions about their play both ends of the ice. Even though I think Tyler Sagan has improved a lot, especially when Ken Hitchcock was there briefly with him trying to sort of instill the Mike Medano mentality. I remember Tyler Sagan talking to me about that specifically. He's improved a lot, but he's had some major hit problems as well. So 
I don't know if he's ever going to be quite the same player again. So that sort of stacks the deck a little bit against him. From that group of fringe players, uh, I think Bo Horvat is someone to watch because he can do so many things well at both ends of the ice. He's considered a really good leader. And if, for example, Ryan O'Reilly got hurt or someone like that leading up to the team selection, then Horvat, I think, is the type of player that would fit well on the fourth line for Canada. Matt Larkin of the Hockey News with us here on T, uh, yeah, Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know, we're not TSN anymore. <laughs> Some of those resets start to get away. Uh, yeah, no doubt. As far as the defense goes, you know, it's interesting seeing some of the the mock-ups of the Canadian defense pairings. Uh, very good chance. I mean, we could have a Vegas Golden Knight pairing of Shea Theodore and Alex Pietrangelo carrying a lot of the mail. I think Kale McCarr, probably a lock. Um, what about Shabbat, Dougie Hamilton, Morgan Riley, Aaron Ekblad, Boom Byram, a young player that we haven't seen a lot from. I mean, uh, I, I, who are the locks right now, in your opinion, on defense? And then uh, who are the other guys that are in that mix? Yeah, for Canada, the defense core is, is I think, much more in flux than the other positions. It's, it's going to be a dogfight. I think absolutely, of course, Kale McCart is a lock. I think you're going to you're absolutely you're going to take the Theodore Petrangelo tandem and just drop them onto the team. After that, it gets very interesting. Do you go with Devon Tates, who played with Kale McCarr during the season? And that's a natural tandem to keep together if you want to maintain that chemistry. The left side, I think, is especially in flux. You have two players that a year ago wouldn't have been on the radar but had such breakout seasons and do so many different things well. Darnell Maris and Jacob Chikrin, who can play the left side. You have Dougie Hamilton in the analytics community. They're going to say, yes, Dougie Hamilton should be a top four defenseman on this team. But historically, he's not really been on the radar for Canada in terms of, you know, when people are, are projecting Olympic rosters, he's not someone who I find is, is consistently being mentioned because there's the old guard bias against Hamilton where he's a different player. He's a different personality. His body language doesn't look like a natural hockey player's body language. He seems to make it look so easy out there. So if the old guard mentality takes over, we don't even know if Dougie Hamilton makes the team. He'd be on my team, but I don't think it's a guarantee. And if you want sort of a shutdown pair, the best shutdown pair in the NHL is Adam Pellick and Ryan Gula from the New York Islanders. You could take those two and parachute them onto the team. There's Morgan Riley out there if you want mobility. I think Thomas Shabbat playing in Ottawa doesn't get enough respect. I think he's really strong at both ends of the ice, capable of playing probably more minutes than anybody in the tournament. He's an absolute minute muncher. If you want to go with experience, you could go back to the Drew Doughty well. Again, I don't know if, if sort of the new age thinkers who are really into the analytics would say Drew Doughty deserves to make it, but if Canada decision makers, they want someone who's sort of done it before. And Drew Doughty, he, I mean, he was thrust into a very young as a kid on the 2010 team as well. So he's about as experienced as you're going to get. So that would be a case for someone like Drew Doughty. And there's also some underrated guys coming out of Florida. Aaron Ekblad, of course, um, coming off a really serious injury. But if we assume he's going to be up to speed, you have to look at him because he was having that breakout season. And so many players like him, if you look at back in the day, Chris Pronger at Jovanovski, these big defensemen that blew late. And sometimes it takes a while for them to grow into the game. Victor Hedman as well. And I predicted about a year ago that it was going to happen for Ekblad. I think we were seeing that last year, that breakout season, becoming the premier player he was always supposed to be. So that's something we have to look at as well. And then his own teammate, Mackenzie Weger, who's become one of the more underrated shutdown players in the league. The sample size of dominance for Weger is small. So maybe he's someone you have to see him do it for the first quarter of the season to feel really confident. But it's interesting. Is it, I don't want to say it's a weakness for Canada, but the fact that there are, there are fewer locks tells you that Canada's defense is not quite as rock solid as the forward group is. And I think it's a wait and see in terms of who's going to get it. Other than those top three spots, other than Theodore, Pietrangelo, and Makar, 
I think it's very much open. Matt Larkin is with us now. Uh, Matt, you have a piece up on uh, SI.com, which um, I guess probably anticipating this news coming up, uh, already up there, talking about the favorites. Um, Canada will always be a favorite, if not the favorite. So we've talked a lot about Team Canada. Outside of the Canadian squad, who do you think are the best gold medal favorites? Who will be the biggest test for the Canadians if they want to win another gold medal? I think the Americans are going to be putting out their best team maybe ever at the Olympics, unless you count you know, the 1980 team, but that was not considered the best team on paper going in. Uh, but I think the American players are peaking at the right time. You have the Kachuk brothers, you have Austin Matthews at the absolute peak of his powers. You have Connor Hellebuck, who's I think going to be one of the best goalies in the tournament. I think the Americans probably have the deepest fence core in terms of really rock-solid top-end lock players, whether it's Seth Jones or John Carlson, Tory Krug. They have so many different options. Charlie McAvoy as well. Jeff Petrie, I think, is going to be a really good two-way option for that team if they want to go with him. And there's so much versatility in the American forward group. So you have the physicality, the big size with the Kachuk brothers. Max Pacioretty as well brings a lot of size. There's a lot of speed on the team as well, whether it's Johnny Gaudreau or Dylan Larkin. You have goal-scoring ability with Jake Gensel, Alex Dabrinkit. There's just so much variety on that team. So I, I think it's going to be a team that's extremely deep. It can hurt you in many ways. I like the Americans a lot. And to me, I almost would put them in their own tier as a clear number two. And then after that, it kind of gets murkier. I could see any combination of Finland, Sweden, and Russia in any order, or sorry, Olympic athletes from Russia, yeah. as they were called again, in this tournament. The Russians, I always say, their team looks amazing on paper. It's so exciting, but they really consistently invest on best underachieve. They consistently fail to medal. They always seem to implode, even though they look so exciting on paper. And what I said in the piece is, you know, there's no team that has better goaltending in this tournament. Andre Vasilevsky, it's going to be, you know, whether it's Ilya Sorokin, Igor Shosturkin, Sergei Vrbrovsky, Semyon Barlamov. It goes on and on. Ilya Samsonov. But the problem is you can only play one of those guys. So it doesn't really help you when you're deep at that position. You'd rather be deep at other positions. The, America, or the, the Russian forward group is really exciting, of course. Ovechkin and Nikita Kucherov. Again, Malkin, if he's healthy, Kirill Kaprizov. But do we know for sure Artemi Panarin's going to make that team? We know how tied the Russian team is to Vladimir Putin. We know that Artemi Panarin has gotten himself in hot water speaking out against Putin. That means he's not necessarily going to be picked for that team. I don't think we can absolutely assume he will. Maybe Pride will win out and the, and the Russians will say, well, we want to win. So we're going to put him on the team. But we don't know that for sure. I think the Russians have a weakness uh, on defense. You have Provorov and Sergachev, but it really falls off quickly there. The Swedes, I think, are one of the deeper teams in the tournament. They're still really deep on D. Victor Hedman and Eric Carlson, a little long in the tooth now. His body is Oliver Ekman Larson, but they have good shutdown options too. Matthias Ekholm, that list goes on. They have enough scoring to be dangerous, whether it's William Nielenbeer or Mika Zibanejad, guys like that. They can still be dangerous there too. Elias Pettersson, of course. What's interesting to me about the Finns is that most years we call them sort of the underdog, the plucky Finns, but they've got star power now with Miko Rantanen and Alexander Barkov and Patrick Laine, I think in that lineup is still going to be more like his old self and Mira Heiskanen. So I really like the Finns. I think their system is always so cohesive when they don't have stars, but they actually have stars now. They're almost top heavy. So I have this, the Finns as, as uh, my number three team in the tournament right now. Oh, man, just talking about it is getting me fired up, to be honest with you, just thinking about it, how long we have waited for this. And as I said, it's a 13-hour time difference between Canada and Beijing. No worries. Put that game on in the middle of the night. This entire country is going to be watching. And I think hockey fans from all around the world. Matt, what got you here? Um, we'll certainly have probably many more conversations about the Olympic team. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, uh, just your thoughts on the offseason, 
Obviously lost Mason Appleton in the expansion draft, uh, but the two big defense acquisitions, Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt in advance of free agency. Uh, I can tell you here the excitement level and approval rating, if you will, of general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff might be at an all-time high after what's taken part in the summer. Uh, where are you at on the Jets, what they've done in the offseason and their chances going into next year? I'm optimistic as well. And if you look at the range of outcomes now, I think with the moves they've made, bringing in Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, I think the ceiling is now legitimate Stanley Cup contender. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. They're obviously moving back to the central division where life is always extremely competitive and tough. You know, St. Louis Blues, Colorado, Minnesota, it's a very tough division. But if you look at what what are the strengths and weaknesses of the Winnipeg Jets in the last several seasons, we know that they have a lot of talent at forward. They always have in in the Mark Shifley era, if you want to call it that. Uh, And we know that they have one of the best goaltenders in the world, Connor Hellebuck. But one of the reasons he won the Vezina Trophy two years ago was that he was so good in spite of the defensive play in front of him, which was really bad. If you look into those deeper numbers, the high danger chances, he was hung out to dry. And we know, of course, the Jets, they couldn't have anticipated the loss of Dustin Bufflin. Of course, they lose Tyler Myers, Jacob Truba as well in the same offseason. The whole right side of the blue line, gone. And Neil Pion turned turned out to be a revelation, but I still think the losses offset the gains there. And this was a team the last couple of years that just, kind of bled high-quality scoring chances. So what do you do? You bring in Brendan Dillon, who's just a scoring chance smotherer, really good on the penalty kill, and Nate Schmidt, who you might call him defense by offense. I wouldn't say he's a pure offensive defenseman, but he's just a really good skater. He can play both sides of the ice. He, Even though he's a left shot, he's comfortable playing on the right. And I think he brings a lot of versatility. I think he it seemed like he was miscast in Vancouver and never really was a fit, even though he was a great fit in Vegas. And I think it's going to be a much better fit in Winnipeg. So to me... The addition of those two and also the emergence of Logan Stanley late last season, who, you know, going back to his draft year, everyone wants him to be so they know Chara because there's that comparable. And I, I still see it, right? You never know. Chara bloomed late, so you just never know. But that decor to me looks way deeper now, way more solid. And I, I don't think that offense was going to be a major problem, nor was goaltending. So I see much more balanced team. And I do think the Jets are in the discussion. I think definitely a playoff team. And there's potential for more as well. You know, well, we're talking about the Jets in the Olympics. Uh, get your thoughts on some of the Jets that could be playing for their teams. I mean, Remus and I were talking about a Hellebuck, obviously, lock for Team USA. Nikolai Ehlers put his country on his back to qualify last week. He is 100% in. Uh, I would say that Kyle Connor is 95% to be on Team USA. But what about Blake Wheeler? Um, you know, you look at the 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 you know projected lineups and, you know, I'd say I've gone through a number of Team USA ones, and Wheeler's on more than he's not on. And, you know, we all remember, I mean, he was criminally underplayed in the 2014 uh, Olympics. I mean, you know, they were down in the game, finally started playing him in the end of the third period, and then he was going out every second shift. That was a long time ago. I mean, he still had 46 points in 50 games last year, you know, dealt with cracked ribs at the beginning, and, you know, certainly wasn't himself. Um, it, what would it take for Wheeler to be on the team, uh, do you think, when it comes to uh, the Americans? Well, it's going to sound like a backhanded compliment to Wheeler, but I don't mean it that way. But I think if the team is looking for leadership and they want someone who's going to be a really strong dressing room presence, it's hard to get much better than Blake Wheeler. I think he's one of the best leaders and talkers and sort of teammate ralliers of this generation. I really think he's a fantastic leader. And at this stage, you could say, okay, some of his skills have eroded. He's still got great size and strength, and I still think he's a really good playmaker. But I just don't know at this stage of his career, based on the type of sort of dynamic talent that the Americans have to choose from if you're going to be able to find a fit a line that Wheeler can kind of keep up with I don't know I don't know if it's necessarily a fit and 
as you alluded to as well, he's sort of been disrespected by the system a lot throughout his career, whether it's international teams, whether it's all-star teams, he's consistently overlooked. I don't know why that's been the case, but it, I think it, it has happened a lot. So now, and that was when he was at the peak of his powers. That's, that's when he was one of the better offensive players in the league. Now we know he's on the decline. He's dealt some injuries. So there's other things working against him and he already seems to get overlooked. So I would be surprised. I, I don't want to say surprised, but I think the odds of him making it, I would say, I'd say lower than 50%. I think he's maybe 45% to make it. And if he does, I think it'd be more for maybe a fourth line role and, and a lot of leadership in that dressing room. Yeah, I'll say this. I mean, I think if you're Kevin Cheveldea for Paul Maurice, you'd be more than happy to give your captain a couple weeks off in the middle of the season and get ready for the rest of the regular season and a big push to a push to the playoffs. I mean, outside of those players, um, certainly with the season that Pierre-Luc Dubois had last year and being on Canada such a deep, I mean, that's hard to imagine. Paul Stastny, you know, at his age, probably not in the mix. Um, but on the blue line, you know, you mentioned Neil Pionk, and I bring him up just that, you know, he was in some ways, you know, a revelation. Um, you know, I see Jacob Truba's name off a lot of those lists. I would imagine that on USA, I mean, considering the players that they have, that you can pretty much lock in right now. There's just not a lot of spots for players like that. But I wouldn't say it's completely out of the realm of possibility for a guy like Pionk to continue to play at the level that he's been now, probably with a better partner in better situations, and maybe at least get his name into the mix on a guy that could be a depth player on the USA blue line. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And even if it is him making the team as an alternate, I think he'd be on the radar at the very least with the U S the right side, you know, with Charlie McAvoy and John Carlson, Seth Jones, it's hard to unseat guys like that. So to me, it would be in the depth role, but obviously you're, you're going to have to have the taxi squad type of players. And I do think that Pionk has become one of the most underrated players in the league and especially because to me, he does so many different things well. And especially his first season with the Jets, he was, I, I need to see the stat again, but I think he might've been first in the league among defensemen in, in power play points for 60 minutes, something like that. He was really dominant on the power play. So if you're looking for a specialist, maybe that's someone you do want to have around to come in during a pinch. If there's an injury, I think it's absolutely fair to say he's on the radar. He deserves that consideration. Hey, Matt, before we go, um, you know, we've had a few signings this week. Last week, it was Svechnikov. Uh, we heard Drake Batherson inks a deal today, a six-year deal with Ottawa. Brady Kachuk's situation, from what we're hearing, not going that well. Silence in Vancouver with their two massive RFAs. How problematic do you think the the big-name RFAs are going to be to get signed by the time we drop the puck? I, I think that it's going to be okay, especially with the big names, whether it's Elise Patterson, guys like that, Quinn Hughes. Um, well, Quinn Hughes, I know he's he's not eligible for an offer sheet, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I wouldn't worry about offer sheets, at least for, for players of that ilk, because the compensation is just so epic. It's just too much of a headache for the team doing it. It's not like you're, it's not the same as offer sheeting as Barry Cock and Miami. Um, but in terms of getting those deals done, I think what we're seeing right now, and I don't know which deal was the precedent setter. You could say it was Nikita Kucherov signing the three-year bridge that made him the big money way sooner. You could say it was Austin Matthews taking the sort of relatively short-term deal for considering he's a franchise cornerstone. And I think those types of contracts have influenced stars where they have to make decisions on whether they want to get to their free agent years sooner. And the max term contract, I know Colton Prego to sign one, but if you look at through the lens of the Conor McDavid deal, for example, that's not necessarily in vogue anymore. And I think you have players sort of thinking about their futures more and whether they want more flexibility. And that might be the sticking point because 
We know that the Ottawa Senators, they want to lock up Brady Kachuk. They want to make him their captain. I'm sure they want to get him for eight, eight years, but does he want an eight-year deal? Maybe he doesn't. And to me, that that's probably the number one reason why some of these big contracts seem to be taking a long time. And it, it seems like, I don't, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but it feels like a lot of these major contracts for big stars are going down to the wire a lot more often than they used to. It used to feel like, okay, it's, it's day one of the player. Like Aaron Eckblad did this. Day one of his eligibility, a year in advance, boom, big extension is signed. I don't know if you're getting that as often because players are sort of weighing their options more. Matt Larkin, great stuff, Matt. Uh, enjoy the air show and uh, all the jets flying over your house for the next couple of days. And uh, to us in on what you've got coming up over the next few weeks as we get ready for uh, NHL training camps to open up. Absolutely. And watch if you're a Hockey News reader, if you like the magazine that you can hold in your hand, the Hockey News yearbook and Hockey News pool guide, they're going to be popping up on newsstands any day now. Ah, the pool guide. Well, as I said, I knew we would end up getting down the Olympic rabbit hole today, but guaranteed before the beginning of the season, we'll be diving into that pool guide and hopefully we can have you back to help fantasy players before they uh, go head to head with their buddies for a season long competition. Absolutely. Always my pleasure to help and uh, give advice and uh, hopefully I can steer people right. And if I don't, then you can just attack me on Twitter. It's all good. <laughs> that's that's what social media is for, right? <laughs> there he is at T-A-H-N, Matt Larkin. That's Matt Larkin for the Hockey News. Matt, thanks so much for doing this. Great to have you on the program. Uh, fun hockey talk. And I have a feeling, you know, we'll be hitting Team Canada. Lots of talk about Team USA, as well as the rest of the international squads made up of NHL stars. Now that we know they're going to Beijing, barring any sort of, uh, well, I guess we can't say everything is 100% for sure in uh, the environment that we live in right now. But um, it's been signed off on. It's been announced. NHL, NHLPA, all good. Can't wait to talk about it and even more cannot wait to see it. All right. Um, coming up, Dustin Nielsen in just a couple minutes. We'll get ready for the Labor Day Classic. Um, do you want to give a big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk? If you're thinking about getting into a new vehicle, why not get the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? If you haven't been and been down to Waverly and McGilvery and seen the showroom and all the incredible whips on the on the lot, you should definitely do that. And you can also check them out online at Not.ca. Got a great service department consignment program. If you look to get out of a, of, of vehicle that you're in right now and of course detailing they've got it all at not auto corp not.ca waverly and mcgilvery uh, and a big shout out to our friends at boston pizza i will let you know about uh, our lock shop meetup that uh, intent might be at one of our bps when dusty comes on in a couple minutes uh, but of course it is burger week right now and there's three incredible burgers from Boston Pizza at three different BPs. If you want to try the Seas Burger, the ultimate kitchen and bar collab, mixing a burger and Boston Pizza's signature Caesar cocktail, you can try that one at BP Keniston. The one that I'm most looking forward to is the Jalapeno Mac and Cheese Burger. They're cooking up at BP Taylor. And BP Henderson has the Bourbon Barbecue Bacon Burger right now. For Burger Week, which of course just began yesterday, and because I'm not sure whether it's because of COVID or just because Winnipeg is the most burger insane city of the entire Le Burger franchise, I think there's like 200 restaurants that are participating this year. Uh, they needed to give you two weeks to get as many of those burgers in. Uh, pop by any of those three BPs, try the burger, and enjoy some of those great summer cocktails they've got going on the summer menu as well. And of course, a big shout out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. Back at it on Monday 
which of course is Labor Day. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, we've got a couple more weeks of live racing. We're going to have to get out one more time to the track before it's all said and done. But again, you can bet on hpibet.com any day on tracks around the world. And you can also bet on a Cinnaboy Downs from the comfort of your own home. Watch Kirk and Stretch do their thing on ASD Live and enjoy it as if you were there. You can find out more at asdowns.com as well as make reservations for the Terrace Dining Room or go hit some VLTs. Open 9 a.m. to 12.15 daily. All right, let's welcome in my partner from the lock shop, the voice of the Nielsen Show on TSN 1260 in Edmonton and... Essentially, it seems the permanent broadcaster of Winnipeg Blue Bomber games on TSN. You know him well. It's the man himself, Dustin Nielsen, getting ready for a very busy Labor Day weekend. What's going on, Dusty? How are you? I'm doing fine, buddy. How are you? Oh, man, I'm fired up for Labor Day. I can't wait for this game between the Bombers and Riders. And to be honest with you, I thought we'd be talking about that all day long. And then we got the official word that the NHLers are going to the Olympics. And now all I can talk about is Team Canada (laughs) and the best on best tournament. Uh, I'm sure you guys got a little fired up this morning talking about that. You you don't want to get ahead of yourselves. And that's why I didn't want to have these conversations. But now we know that it is going to be a reality, barring anything going sideways on us. Um, this is going to be certainly great for those of us in sports talk content for the next few weeks north of the border. Oh, yeah. There's going to be no shortage of line combinations being spit on now, we can, especially like until the NHL season starts. Now we get NFL fired up right away. And obviously we got CFL, but we could do three segments a day on different line combinations for Team Canada, especially because we finally get to see Connor McDavid play best on best in a Canadian uniform, which is very exciting. And we were just talking about it on one of the other things I do, the oil stream there with Gazola, that Oilers podcast I do. And, uh, uh, we were talking about who would be the ideal line mates for Connor. And uh, I think it's got to be McKinnon and Huberto, to be honest with him. Huberto's the best natural left winger on the team, offensively for sure. And I mean, McKinnon's just an absolute monster. You could put that guy anywhere on the ice. So I have to see McKinnon and McDavid together at some point. And I'm hoping they'll just be locked in as a line. And then you put some of the veteran guys together and sort it out how you may. But uh, McDavid and McKinnon has to happen, buddy. Hey, you know what? We just had Matt Larkin on from the Hockey News, and we were kicking around a number of the players that are sort of on the bubble, likely to be on the team. You know what's interesting? This is the first time, I think, really since he was 19 years old, that Drew Doughty isn't an automatic lock pencil him in right now. What do you make of Doughty's situation? You think he's on the on the squad? Oh, man, that's a that's a good question. If I had to bet right now, I'd probably say no, he's not. But... You have seen Team Cannon in the past lean a bit more towards some of those vets who have been there. But, I mean, there's a few guys who simply have to be on that team ahead of them. I mean, Kale McCarr is an absolute monster. He's going to be your go-to guy on the right side offensively. Not that you would rely on Doughty for offense right now anyway. But I think, I think, ah, man, that's a tough call because he would, look, anybody on this team is going to be fine. I mean, you're not going to look at one guy and go, wow, he's a super weak link and this is the reason they're losing. It's not going to come down to one guy. It's going to come down to a fluke goal and a gold medal game against somebody or a semifinal. So, I mean, it's not the end of the world if he's on it, but I might be a little surprised actually if Drew Doughty's on the team this time around. Well, it, it certainly, it, I think he's got a lot to play for in the first few months of the season. I mean, it, he could absolutely be on the team, but I think he'll have to prove something. And, you know, we were just talking about a guy like Mark Shifley here in Winnipeg, Dusty. I mean, Shifley certainly, I mean, you see many of the rosters he's on. Sometimes he's just off. I mean, 
the motivation for a player like that to come out and have a great first few months of the season, considering the carrot to be able to represent your country at the Olympic Games, which you know only comes along every four years. Uh, at, at his point in his prime right yep. now, um, I, I think it'll be a great thing for the Winnipeg Jets going forward. Um, Shifley's interesting, though, because, I mean, there's just so much talent at that position. His ability, though, to move up and down the lineup, I think, is something that could land him a spot on the team, even if he might not necessarily be in that top 12 for the opening game. Yeah, I think Shifley's one of those guys. I'd have him on my team for sure. I absolutely love him. I think he'll be on the team, and you're right. I mean... If, if you need to play, if Mark Shifley has to play on a line with Connor McDavid, Mark Shifley can easily play on a line with Connor McDavid. If you need Mark Shifley to go play on a line with Patrice Bergeron at this stage of his career, he can go play on a line with Patrice Bergeron. And you can say that about a lot of different guys, but I do think, I think Shifley, yeah, I mean, to me, he's in the top 12. I don't even think he'd have to start as a 13th forward. So it'll be, but you're right. I mean, how many guys, how many forwards, probably 20, 22 guys. I, I've looked online and nobody's really laying out D pairings because we don't care about that right now. We care about the four forward lines. And uh, I see a lot of Habs fans being like, Suzuki's got to be on this team and probably a little too early for him, but he's a phenomenal young talent as well. So you're probably looking, we always say Canada can have two teams in this thing. So you're probably looking 20 to 24 forwards deep, to be honest with you. No doubt about it. Now, listen, we can't let the Olympics, which are months away, hijack all of our Labor Day conversations. Yeah. So we will get to it. But now I've got you on the program. May as well spill the beans for everyone. We sort of tease that next weekend you're going to be in town to do the Banjo Bowl. And Friday for NFL season, we got to do a lock shop. So we are going to do one uh, live. We'll record it live. We're going to do it at Boston Pizza City Place right downtown, nice and central for everyone to, to get down there. Uh, we'll shoot for probably 7 o'clock next Friday. So, folks, would love to see you down there. It'll sort of be a de facto Winnipeg Sports Talk and Lock Shop meetup. Myself, Dusty, and cool bet, Chris, this will be the first time all three of us, after doing millions of shows together, will all be in the <laughs> same place at the same time. We're going to get Remus down there as well. It should be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. And uh, what a great way to get into not only Banjo Bowl, but again, the following day, our first full weekend of NFL football. Did you just tell me I'm going to get to meet Remus? Is that happening? <laughs> That's happening. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me earlier? I would have flown in last weekend. Well, I was there last weekend. Uh, no, I'm looking for, yeah, that, I'm really looking forward to that. Next weekend's going to be awesome. I mean, you get the Banjo Bowl, which I'm super pumped to call. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, you've had Chris Abbott on your show a ton of times. I've had Chris Abbott on a podcast, at least one podcast. Now it's like three for 18 months and I uh, never had a chance to meet the guy in person. So I'm pretty fired up about it. I'm looking forward to next week. Yeah. So everybody, again, BP, City Place, uh, Crystal and the gang, they always took such great care of us when we were doing all those jet shows over the years. So we figured this is a perfect spot, kind of close for everyone, you know, no matter what part of the city you're in, uh, close to the guys that are staying downtown. So next Friday, WST Lock Shop Meetup, and we'll do a show. We'll have a few cold ones, and we will enjoy each other's company and then get ready for what is going to be an amazing Saturday at IG Field. So let's get to it, dude. Uh, first off, you've done the last few Bomber games. Just your thoughts on the Bombers going into this weekend, what you've seen over the uh, Toronto series, and, of course, that wild game that you called last week at IG Field that once again came right down to the final play. That was insane, man. Like, that was an absolutely incredible game. And, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to Legio, who comes out and misses that extra point. And it was ugly. 
Like when he when he kicked it up, you knew right away it wasn't good. I was like, oh, like this is a guy who's kicking field goals for his first time in the Canadian Football League. Dude, you and then should he have comes heard, back. Oh, I can't imagine what was groans, it like in the crowd. The yeah. groans in the stands. I mean, you know, it had been a big story. We were so spoiled with Medlock for all those years. And, you know, he's out. It was good to be Legio. Then they bring in Crepinha, which was certainly far from a vote of confidence for the young rookie kicker. He's in as the kicker in that game because Crepinha is on the sixth game. And the first thing that happens is missing an extra Just point. A shame. But, but the way that it turned around for Legio as well, and I mean the final, missing the 35-yarder, but getting a redo, a mulligan because of the time count violation from 10 yards back and then blasting it down the middle. I mean, you named it. I mean, he was one of the top performers of the week in the CFL. And for a rookie kicker getting his first opportunity in a big game, in a market there, people pay close attention to things like the Blue Bombers kicker. Hard to imagine it going, well, it could have gone better. He could have made the extra point and not had yeah. that first one not go in. Uh, but, man, a big, big spot and a big game for him to kind of move forward. And, man, that'll be important because kicking in this Labor Day Classic game between two teams with defenses like we're going to see on the weekend, very, very important. Yeah, we watched Lowther with a walk-off. And, you know, for Legio, after that miss, he had the 50-yard field goal. And when he nailed that, I think it kind of got him back on track. So that was big. But, I mean, the two other things with the Bombers, and I'm starting to prep for this game a little bit. I mean, there's nothing scarier, I think, for offenses in the Canadian Football League than Jeff Coat coming on one side and Willie Jefferson on the other. Like, that is that is a huge, huge advantage. And I think it just helps the rest of that Bombers defense be so good because you got those two guys applying so much pressure from the outside, which is why what Mayer did last week was so damn impressive like he managed to move that ball very well even with those two guys getting in his face and then on the offensive side of the ball they, like Zach Caleros has got really what's he almost has he almost has a thousand yards he's got six touchdowns he was leading the league in touchdowns going in to week four he's been playing pretty well but the offense just seems like they can click their way down the field no problem and then they have a hard time getting it going up after that I think Legio leads the league in punts like they just it seems like they're just out of sync at times, but all I, in my opinion, I know they made an addition, but I think all the pieces are there. It's just a matter of it all coming together because you, you look at what like Rashid Bailey had some big plays last week. Darvin Adams has been, he's been targeted a bunch. He hasn't caught many since, since he returned. I think he had a catch, like maybe the first catch of that last game and then didn't catch another one the rest of the way. So he must be just still kind of getting into the, the flow of things. And Kenny Lawler, who's been the most targeted receiver in the entire league. I think he's been good. He's had a couple of obvious drops in the last two games that I've called. So, um, you know, maybe they sort that out, but the offense, I think the offense could be really good, but it just seems disjointed at times so far. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, the drops were a big part of that game. I mean, I think you can make an argument and credit to Calgary for everything that they did in that game. But if the Bomber receivers, Kenny Lawler in particular, Drew Wolitarski, I think Rasheed Bailey had one. I mean, if those balls, which should be caught, are caught, we might not be talking about the game that we got. Although, let me ask you about the play. Second quarter, third and two <laughs> from Calgary's own 23. I mean, your call was incredible. And I mean, you did sum it up. What is going on here at IG Field? Um I was so done. The rest of the play didn't even matter. I mean, Jaws were on the floor when he ripped back and ripped a 40-yard pass from his own 23. Oh, by the way, with a rookie quarterback playing in his sixth quarter of professional football. Um, we've had a lot of fun talking about the Kevin Weeks, Paul Maurice impersonation of the big old church bells. Uh, <laughs> Dave Dickinson had the church bells out last Sunday night in Winnipeg. Like four 
wow omg moments on one play like first of all you know they bring out the kick team they call a timeout and you're like oh interesting interesting timeout here then you see the offense from back on the field and you're right it was like third and a long one and a half and i'm sitting there going okay well this alone is a ballsy proposition and then when he fakes the handoff i'm like oh my god he's gonna throw it and then he and this is all with jake mary has been great but you're right he's six quarters in and then he throws it and when huff catches it i'm like oh my god he got it and then like he gets hit it was a nice tackle i think it was jones who tackled him and that ball pops loose and i'm like the ball's loose and big has got it it was just it was like and I, I had that great finish here in edmonton in week one it stopped rated right you know the uh tuck was stopped rated right the one yard line that great finish as well you know in in the game in winnipeg but that play man that just blew my mind on so many levels every single aspect of it if huff hangs onto it that's a cr- an incredible play for calgary and then sure enough it pops loose and the bombers get it and take it back the other way for i think it was a 15 yard return by big L, but it was uh and it was six six early in the football game i don't it blew my mind it was i don't know if you can get away with that one again like you you might have wasted the good play early in the season well i'll tell you what the uh the surprise factor certainly was in full effect i mean i don't think there was anyone in the building that could believe the stones of dickinson to call that play in that situation and uh uh, it was it certainly to be one of the more memorable plays of the year in the Canadian Football League. You know, I'm just looking at the cool bet lines right now, and we have seen uh, the Tiger Cats Argos game is now up to 44 and a half. Uh, but the Montreal Ottawa game, the Bomber Rider game is at 43. Elk Stamps now at 42 and a half. At what point do you think we're going to see these offenses get going again and uh, get back to some of the scoring that we're used to seeing in the Canadian Football League? Buddy, that's a great question because I thought we'd already be there. Like I thought, you know, you maybe get one or two weeks where it was, you know, the defensive side of the ball. But the defense has been one. That's, I mean, we talked about the drops with Winnipeg and how it might have changed the outcome of, of that game. But for the most part, the defenses have just had a leg up on all these offenses so far. So, I mean, we're heading into week five here, so it hasn't changed in the first four weeks. I mean, is this something that we're just going to have to get used to the rest of the season or does it take seven or eight weeks or maybe after a big Labor Day weekend when we get a couple of games with some fireworks, maybe with some of these great rivalry games we have this weekend, does that really get things clicking? I I would think if not this week and not next week, maybe it takes six weeks to go in here. Maybe in the week seven, some of the offenses really sort of start to get their timing back a little bit. It, can't, it doesn't help that, what is it, four teams in the league so far have had to use two quarterbacks already. So as you're already trying to get that timing going and then you have to go to a different quarterback, that's probably not ideal, even though a guy like Mayer's come in and thrown for 300 yards in back-to-back games. So, um, you know, busy start here for the kickers. And look, I love calling a good field goal, but I would love to see some touchdowns this weekend, buddy. No doubt about it. I think that there will be. I mean, this is such, I mean, it's always a spectacle. and It's just an amazing weekend and event for fans to go to. And for my money, it's the best rivalry in the Canadian Football League. And you're going to see it in a packed house in what should be a, a great, great atmosphere for the CFL. The thing about this game that's interesting this year, Dusty, is both of these teams are good. Like, if you go back over the history of the Labor Day Classic, I mean, usually you've got one team that's struggling and one team that's doing much better, and then you throw out the records when you go to the game. It doesn't matter. Right here, I mean, I think we see, what is the, uh, oh my God, the Riders are now six-point favorites in this game. I'm blown away. It's gone now to six points. Holy smokes. I expect that to probably be a little bit closer. But from uh, you know a rider standpoint, they're undefeated. The Bombers have the one blemish. It's a battle for first place. There's 
even more on the line this year, it seems, than, you know, and not to mention a shorter schedule with every game having even more importance. Yeah, it's, uh, man, I can't believe they're six. He rattled me with that six point spread now in that game. I would think it'd probably be closer just with, I mean, just with those two defensive linemen causing issues, maybe for Cody Fajardo. I mean, that alone you would think. Plus, you know, Riders coming off a bye week. They've had a great start. I really like the idea of the top offense in the league going up against the top defense in the league. I think it's going to be great. But, uh, you know, these games are always huge in the season. The season always starts on Labor Day weekend. And even with the short schedule, buddy, I still think it is. I still think it is that way like if if you're looking and the bombers and riders an interesting spot it's a battle for first place you know if they split these next two games both of them are still basically in control of uh, control of the west it's the edmonton calgary one that's really interesting because if either one of those two teams sweeps that head-to-head the other one's done i mean they're they're going to be out on a short schedule like this so i still believe that we're looking here with the way that this schedule's laid out that things really get cranked up a notch this weekend and and moving forward just because there's not enough time to to overcome a one in five start if you're one of these teams six weeks in. No, no doubt about it. Now, uh, Dustin Nielsen, we call him the banjo or the uh, Labor Day Classic on the weekend on TSN. You got another game too. Are you doing the Cal, the Elks uh, Stamps game too? Yeah, buddy. It's uh, this is a Ooh. huge. This is a huge weekend for me. Like from a broadcast perspective, this is probably the biggest broadcasting weekend of my career. So I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, we get to do the game in Regina, and then we're flying into Calgary right away after, and then get up, and then it's an early game in Calgary the next day. So yeah, it's two huge, huge games. So pretty cool to have the uh, the opportunity to call these games for tsn because we're looking at like a million people watching these games which is going to oh, be the awesome. ratings have been huge i know you were talking yeah. about that earlier today on the show i mean yeah i think we would all love to see more fans in the stands and we know there's a lot of things around it that are affecting that but when it comes to watching the cfl on television in an era where most sports have seen significant declines in viewership it's the exact opposite right now for cfl yeah, I think it's a good sign because, yeah, we had somebody texting on my show today and say, yeah, I'm really concerned about the lack of butts and seats right now. And I said, well, I said, I don't think they're not watching the league anymore. I think because of the pandemic, some people just might have, like, be comfortable going to these games. So they're just watching at home because TSN for that game I called on 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 Sunday in Winnipeg, a Sunday game in the Canadian Football League pulled in almost 700,000 viewers, which was just massive. I know one of the Thursday games earlier in the year brought in over 600,000 for a Thursday game in the Canadian Football League. So, yeah, ratings have been up. I mean, I'm ballparking here, but I think it's somewhere between 20 and 30 percent over what we saw in 2019. So it's, you know, and I, I would think it just corresponds that, you know, if people aren't going to the game, they're still watching the game on TV, which has been good for ratings. It's not great for the revenue coming in as far as tickets go. But as things start to smooth out, you know, I'm sure a lot of those people will just slide right back into the stadium. So I think it's I think it's super positive for the league that these ratings have been really good through the first four weeks. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's all the play by play, dude. It's all the play by play. <laughs> I didn't want to right say now. it, man, but it's going yeah. pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and the funniest thing is I people don't realize how big and tall you are until you do the shot where and we joke around it and we've been talking about it on the show. If you saw you standing with Glenn Suter and said, Who's the ex football player there? Probably <laughs> more true. often than not, they're going with the big guy than suits, but uh, it's been great. And obviously Dwayne Ford's phenomenal. Who uh, who are you doing the games with? It's with Suits and Orleski. Oh, perfect, so perfect. yeah, it should be uh, pretty. I haven't worked with Sarah yet this year, so looking forward to that. Well, excellent. Um, you know, we focus in, of course, on the Bombers. Sounds like Nick Dembski could be a possibility for the game. We didn't see Naaman Roosevelt practicing yesterday. Probably more likely maybe for the Banjo Bowl than coming up this week. Uh, but, you know, when you're getting down to the prep, what are you keeping an eye on coming from the home team? The Saskatchewan Rough Riders this weekend. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's happening with Jordan Williams Lambert. I believe he's a little bit banged up and, you know, they already obviously lost Evans earlier in their year. So Cody Fajardo is, and you know, I'm a big fantasy guy. He's a fantasy darling. He's seventh in the league in rushing in the Canadian Football League and has been absolutely excellent so far for them. So, I mean, depending on who they have available to them at, at wide receiver and, you know, we'll get some depth charts, I guess, tomorrow morning. Maybe I'll get them tonight but i can't say anything but hopefully i get them tonight so i can work on my prep a little bit get a jump jump uh, head start on all of this but uh cody fajardo has just been phenomenal so far this year and that defense looks like it's good to go right now for the uh, the riders as well so it'll be interesting to see exactly who is available for cody fajardo uh in in both of these next two games but yeah just look at the numbers that fajardo's put up so far this year man and he's um he's legit i know he was the betting favorite earlier in the year for, for MOP. I think we talked about that on the lock shop and obviously he came off a huge year in 2019. And um, I've, have I done two of their games yet or just one, but when I've seen him in person, he, he really impresses. Yeah, no, they're, I mean, a solid team at the one thing is I think this will be their biggest test of the year. I don't think Hamilton was, you know, at their best when they were there, you know, they beat Ottawa and they've beaten BC in that weird game to kick off the year where they were up 31 nothing ended up you know in a nail biter winning at the uh, winning at the end by the way i just have to go quickly to the chat you my friend are getting a lot of love from uh, the wst crew here uh, <laughs> we've got play by play dusty has been awesome dusty is the best play by play dusty is great calling cfl games dusty will be doing a great cup in the next year or so you got some serious love from the crew here in the peg just getting going, buddy. Just getting going. And as I mentioned, I got five Bombers games in a row. So I got the Banjo Bowl. Then I got the one after that. And I think I got one more after that, too. So Winnipeg, I guess I'm your guy for the next little while. <laughs> you certainly are. And of course, uh, you'll get a chance to uh, see us get the whole gang together coming up next Friday uh, down at Boston Pizza City Place, Friday night in and around 7 p.m. I'll be talking about it all next week. And of course, if you have not already subscribed to the Lock Shop podcast, Do it. Uh, we're getting and ready to get back to two times a week, focusing on CFL and whatnot earlier in the week, and then a full NFL show on Fridays. And we're going to do our week one at the show at BP coming up next week. So we'd love for you uh, to uh, come down. Uh, what are the big stories just quickly for the other game that you're going to be calling? Um, it sounds like Bo Levi Mitchell might be able to play for Calgary, which is wild. I mean, his reemergence in practice, practicing the last couple days, and then, I mean, my God, the team in your neck of the woods, the Elks, um, they're going through uh, they're going through a lot right now. Uh, the injury list is long. They haven't practiced in a week. Um, what do you make of this matchup uh, between the uh, bat in the Battle of Alberta on Labor Day weekend? I would be pretty surprised if Bo Levi Mitchell is starting. On Monday, I know he's back. I think uh, Danny Austin was saying that Jake Myers been Myers can get in the majority of the first team reps to practice. And I mean, Bo was on the sixth game. He's already come off it, so no matter what, he's going to be coming back earlier than than many of us thought when he first suffered that injury. But with the way your quarterback has been playing in his absence, uh, and you're going up against an Elks team that who knows what to expect, I don't think there's an issue here to, to give Bo Levi Mitchell an extra seven days off. Like if you want to get him back in there, you know, for the rematch game, that probably seems like the safer play, but I mean, it, it's great news for Calgary. They've got two quarterbacks that look like they can play because mayor looks, looks legit. And on the elk side of things, I think shy Ross Armonte Edwards, who had been banged up anyway, um, Darrell Walker might've been one other guy, but I know for sure three of their players, 
who were not practicing yesterday were due to that COVID protocol. So if you're missing three pretty, pretty big pieces offensively and look, they could just run James Wilder wild. And he's been, he's been phenomenal so far. So it could be, a, if you have James Wilder in your CFL lineups, you're going to want to start him this week, but um, it's, it's just concerning. Like they just haven't played in such a long time. And now they've got a bunch of guys who can't even practice. So uh, and we were talking earlier, like, we like the Elks as an underdog on that spread, but a few things have changed since we did the lock shop on, on Wednesday. So we'll yeah. see how that plays out. Yeah. I'm moving my Elks plus six pick to bombers plus six. Now that they're, I, I, <laughs> I cannot believe, cause I mean that number, if you recall, opened at two and a half and it was two and a half for two days. And then out of nowhere, it moved from two and a half to four and a half. And I never saw it at five and all of a sudden it's at six right now. So the melon well, the Elks are still at six. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. That, that line hasn't, hasn't been moved. any movement, which is kind of surprising me a little bit. Maybe because it was such a big spread in the first place, they just decided to leave it there because they were getting what they wanted on it. But um, yeah, that one. I, you know, I think that game could be a very entertaining football game. I know the Elks are in a tough spot right now, but I think we're going to get a really good one at McMahon on Monday. Well, especially now that you know we've seen what Jake Mayer can do, and another huge opportunity, assuming that he is starting in a massive game for his team, coming off a loss, but one that he played well. Uh, but you mentioned there is so much at stake for both of these teams right now. I mean, the Labor Day Classic between the Bombers and Riders battle for first place. Uh, you nailed it. I mean, this two-game series between Calgary and Edmonton, in a lot of ways, is somewhat a battle for survival when it comes to the West playoff picture. 100%. I mean, if you get swept, you're dead last coming out of this thing. That's essentially how it's probably going to look two weeks from now. So there is a lot on the line. Jamie Elizondo, when he was, uh, he had his media availability a couple of years or a couple of days ago, and he just seemed, you could tell that he was frustrated with what this team had to go through here early in the year. And he was trying to put some positive spin on it and, you know, get some rest here early in the season. But, buddy, they're going to play seven. Over a seven-day stretch, they get three games. Three games in seven days down the stretch in November. Like, it's – I I honestly think they would have just rather taken this L because now they've impacted two games for sure. I mean, the first one will be your prep like anything else, but then you got two games again right after, and I think they're on the road. So they're going to be flying all over the place, get in, have to go play. I, I would have rather just taken the loss, but obviously with gate revenue and television, the CFL didn't want to do that. But for the Elks now, you've impacted at least two games – instead of just just the one. So they'd have to go on a legendary run to come away with three W's in seven days. Yeah, well, I mean, and the other thing for that is, I mean, they really, I think, left it to the players because, I mean, there's a significant concern for player safety. I mean, you would never in your right mind schedule three football games over the course of seven days, uh, but the players had the option to either not play and not get paid for that game. And I mean, listen, they're already, you know, the game checks are down to 14 for the year as opposed to 18 uh, it, it's pretty clear that they wanted to do whatever they could to get on there. And I get it. I just hope there's not some big repercussions for both of the squads as well as, you know, the games on the outside. Dustin Nielsen's with us. If you're not already following him on Twitter, you should be at Nielsen TSN 1260. You'll see the lock shop content there. You'll see a lot of stuff from his morning show. And you will also see his weekly fantasy football extravaganza. <laughs> I have a lot of friends that are fantasy DJs. But I don't know if anyone is in the category of our current guest right now. <laughs> How's draft season for you? And just to give you, what do you think of this? This <laughs> beautiful, eh? Wow, that's our Juan <laughs> Rincon Football League trophy. We have the draft tonight, Hus. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, I, I will tell folks. I'll pull the curtain back. You were in town last Friday, and we got together for a few, uh, few beers, um, a few fish bowls, as it were. And while we were meeting, Dusty, being now a professional fantasy football general manager, 
was bidding five thousand U.S. dollars from the ownership's <laughs> allotment on a third-string receiver for the Seahawks and Chiefs rookie linebacker Nick Bolton. Um, Got them both. I I still can't get over it. Uh, now we haven't started yet, but how is the U, uh, UFAFL experience going for you? And um, how much do you uh, you and your your assistant GM have on your plate right now, trying to get the beast ready for the opening of the season? Yeah, there's a lot of guys who have an assistant GM named Boom, but that's uh, that's mine, and he's done a he's done a great job. It's it's crazy because you're right. I think I spent twenty four hundred dollars on Dwayne Eskridge, the third wide receiver in Seattle. So nobody was more excited than me when Seattle only kept four wide receivers. They were like <laughs> announced their fifty three, and I saw they only have four wide receivers, and I was like, yes, Eskridge is gonna hit this year. So. It's going good, but it's it's weird because there are some teams like the 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 Circa Hotel in Vegas has a team, so they just been buying up everybody. So me and my buddy, my assistant GM, and then we've got another guy who we haven't officially given a title to yet, but he's in our group text. Player we're personnel, like, we're, yeah, we straight up have to moneyball this thing. Like we're gonna straight up have to moneyball this because you mentioned like I had five thousand dollars to spend. I didn't have enough room in my budget to get a guy until we got to like the fortieth pick because Trevor Lawrence went for nine thousand dollars US in that draft, which is no Kyle Pitts went for nine thousand. Trevor Lawrence went for eighty five hundred, and I'm sitting there googling like deep wide receiver rookies, and uh, <laughs> I got one I really like. So hopefully, hopefully it works out. Oh man, how many drafts have you done? Uh. I did about 20 best ball drafts. Those are lineups I don't have to set the rest of the way. They just take your best guys every week. So I do that to kind of get me in draft mode and see where people are going. And then I've probably done five or six that I'll finish throughout the year. Like I'll actually follow along. I've done a ton of mocks. And then I've got one tonight. I've got one on Monday night when I get actually you're in that one with us Monday night, right? I'm flying back from Calgary after that Labor Day game. And then we got one that night. I got two Tuesday and I got one Wednesday. Oh, so just, no, just yeah. right up and then Thursday <laughs> kickoff and then Friday we do a live lock shop with lines. And speaking of Circa, our first picks for yes. NFL week one in the uh, what's the prize in that? Like a few million dollars. Yeah, I mean, it would set up pretty nicely to uh, invest in the beast in the UFAFL. <laughs> we can get that money back in there for my fantasy team. Rob Mahoney. Ah, oh, honey, I noticed you took 2400 out of a savings account. <laughs> and yeah, I had to buy a third wide receiver for my fantasy team. <laughs> hey, let's just clarify. It's not my money. It's the ownership group's money. I'm just the general manager. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Listen, dude, uh, I know you got a lot on your plate. Lots of prep coming up for the big game on Sunday. And then, of course, Monday going to be very busy. But uh, loving what you're doing on TSN. Keep on kicking ass and look forward to seeing you live in person Chris Abbott here live in person. Remo, the whole gang together next Friday, Boston Pizza City Place at 7 p.m. We'll do the lock shop, have some fun, meet some people, and get ready for Banjo Bowl weekend. Looking forward to it, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Right on. My pleasure. There he is, our pal Dustin Nielsen. Make sure you subscribe to the lock shop. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, Lots of great content coming up from Dusty. And, of course, two big calls this weekend. The Labor Day Classic on Sunday. And then... Calgary Edmonton also on TSN. All right, we're going to get to the cool bet lines. Don't forget, we've got a big Canadian club giveaway to do at the end of the program. So if you're with us live on YouTube, make sure you stick around. We'll be doing that in just a few minutes. Um, do you want to give a big shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug? Uh, I was just talking to, uh, to Dustin over at, uh, at LBJ a little earlier today 
lot going on right now. I don't think I mentioned that DJ Honeycutt's going to be playing tomorrow night on the patio. That will be a super fun evening. Great DJ. Certainly knows how to make a party fun. Uh, but also Pride's coming up and they've got limited edition Pride 1919 cans that are on sale as of today. You can get those on the Little Brown Jug website at littlebrownjug.ca or out of the tap room. And $1 from each can is going to Pride Winnipeg and friends. And if you're getting into the spirit of Pride next Friday, uh, maybe pop by see us and then pop by Little Brown Jug. Uh, they've got a big Pride patio party where people can bring some donations to the Sunshine House. And oh, I did mention for those of you that are driving out to Regina that you might want to pick up some 1919s in Winnipeg to take out there so you don't have to drink Pilsner with the melon heads. I have been informed that the Great Taste of 1919 is in fact available in Saskatchewan. So I would still recommend picking it up here. Maybe Popeye get some of those pride cans down at the tap room, but you can pick it up in the province of Saskatchewan as well. 1919 is going to make your Labor Day weekend absolutely awesome. Again, it's littlebrownjug.ca, and uh, you can see them down on William Avenue, or William Avenue at the tap room and out on the patio. We'll have to get the gang out together at some point before uh, it gets a little chilly over at Little Brown Jug. Um, oh, and by the way, I should also mention they are doing lots of stuff for Burger Week as well. Uh, if you get 1919, a buck off pints of 1919, when you try the Burger Week entries at Siva Waterfront Cafe, Block and Blade, Merchant Kitchen, and Saffron's over on Corden. Uh, big shout out to our friends at Breezy Bend as well. Let's do a quick look at what's going on at the Tour Championship right now. Breezy Bend sponsoring all of our golf reports. Pat Cantlay, one under through six. He's got a three-shot lead on John Rahm. Of course, Cantlay was the leader going into the tournament, started at minus 10. He's at 14 under par right now. Three shots up on John Rahm, who's at 11. Bryson DeChambeau and Justin Thomas at 10 under. Jordan Spieth at nine, Victor Hovland at eight, along with Harris English, and a group at seven, including Kevin Na, Tony Finau, and Louis Oosthuizen. All right, let's get Remus back in here. We'll talk about some of these cool bet lines before we get to a little marble mania to kick off the uh, the Labor Day weekend and uh, get somebody a great I Love Rye package from our friends at Canadian Club. Uh, as we mentioned this, talking to Dusty a little earlier, um, I- I'm stunned that this line is where it is right now. Saskatchewan now six-point favorites over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the Labor Day Classic right now at Coolbet. I think I'm jumping on that line. I can't imagine it goes anywhere but in the Bombers' direction once getting to this point. Uh, bombers plus 178, just about 2-1. to one. If you think that they can go in and get another W at Mosaic Stadium uh, on the money line, Remo, what do you think of that line? I, I kind of thought we might get to three, three and a half, maybe four, but six. I, I'm absolutely flabbergasted. Yeah, I mean, being in uh, Winnipeg, I am surprised that it's gone that high. But from what I'm reading, you know, getting ready for uh, my fantasy lineups, I think there's some questions people have out there about the Bombers' offense and their ability to move the ball, especially on the road. Uh, I know the Bombers, you know, pass defense has been good. They've given up some some runs. William Powell hasn't been that great, but you know he's able to uh, to break a big one. Cody Fajardo's looking like the MOP early front runner for MOP. So uh, I can see. I mean, I think Saskatchewan historically has done pretty well in the Labor Day Classic, but uh, yeah, but minus six seems like a lot more points than I thought for teams that you'd think are one and two in the power rankings. So. Yeah, that line is is creeping up, uh, definitely creeping up there because 
You look at another line, Montreal, Ottawa too. That one's Montreal six and a half. So I'm, I mean, six points sounds like a lot. I feel like that could be within a field goal. So I would probably take the Bombers uh, plus six. Yeah, I, I'm definitely getting on the plus six. And I think uh, just because maybe a little of support and confidence in the blue and gold to get the win, which is why they're going there. Plus 178 on the money line. As Remo mentioned, actually gotten up to seven, back to six and a half right now. Montreal laying six and a half on the road at the Ottawa Red Blacks. That goes tonight. And by the way, I know many of you are in our DraftKings contest for the CFL. Thanks to everyone that's been entering. Lots of fun. Make sure you get your lineups locked before 6.30. You can change it afterwards for games that don't play, but if you don't have a lineup in when it starts, you end up being a donator and have the dreaded white circle. <laughs> so you don't want that. Make sure your lineups are set before kickoff tonight at four, at 6.30. Hamilton and Toronto now. Uh, this line's down to two and a half. It was three and a half earlier. That's what I got it on at the lock shop earlier this week. Went down to two. Now it's two and a half for Hamilton. This should be a great game. I imagine it'll be quite close. And then, as we mentioned, six points for the Edmonton Elks. Getting six on the road. Calgary is six-point home favorite. And Edmonton, plus 193. You know what's interesting, Reem? I'm just looking at these numbers in that the line is the same. I mean, the Bombers are a six-point underdog. The Elks are a six-point underdog. But when you look at the money line to bet the teams to win, the Bombers lower at plus 178 as far as the Elks plus 193. Sort of an interesting, and I think that sort of indicates the fact that the value right now, Winnipeg plus six. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, I am curious, I'm like, who's the quarterback for Calgary? Is it going to be Jake Mayer? Uh, Bo Levi practice, he got taken off the injury list. That is something to watch. And I mean, Edmonton's been good at moving the ball, you know, but as far as getting in the end zone, not as good. They did, I think, they were off. Uh, sorry, they were off last week because of the uh, you know, the postponed game. So we'll see how they uh, rebound. I know Dusty Minson, James Wilder. He's a bit of a fantasy monster in terms of catching the ball and running the ball. So I think he could have a big game as well. But so could we're kind of waiting for that more consistency from Edmonton. They just really uh, haven't shown it so far this year. No doubt about it. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a great CFL weekend. Looking forward to seeing this game tonight. And then, of course, Sunday, Banjo or the uh, Labor Day Classic, Banjo Bowl next Saturday here in Winnipeg. Sunday this week is the Labor Day Classic. And then Battle of Ontario, Ticats, Argos, and the Battle of Alberta, Stamps, and Elks coming up Monday on TSN. Uh, a couple of other things to bet on. You know, there's lots of tennis going on right now, you know, with the U.S. Open happening. Big wins yesterday for a couple of Canadians, Denis Shapovalov and Bianca Andreescu. And, uh, you know, Bianca's had so many difficulties staying healthy over the past couple of years since she won the U.S. Open. Uh, but I'll tell you what, she has had her greatest success at the U.S. Open and is seemingly uh, building up some big confidence as she goes through the tournament. Yeah, I watched the match yesterday. It was a great day for Canadian sports last night. Uh, Bianca Andreescu and Dennis Shapovalov both advancing. So I, you know, I was captured, captivated uh, two years ago when she won the whole thing. I know she's been battling injuries, fired a coach, so she's been through a lot here. But seems to be in good shape so far here. Uh, early on, advancing what into round round three. Yeah, and speaking of our Canadians as well. Oh, there's the Pride can looking good. Yeah, that's um, this is the Pride can. 
Felix Auger Aliasim uh, is taking on, uh, I can't remember his first name, but Batista Agut, one of the Spanish players. Batista Agut, this line actually just moved as I'm watching it right now. Batista Agut, minus 114 favorite, and Felix uh, just north of even money, plus 101. That'll be one of the big matchups uh, tonight. A couple other interesting ones. Francis Tiafo, a big, big underdog against Rublev, and Riley Opelka, Big favorite, minus 227, taking on Nicholas Bechelievi. Uh, You can find out all the odds at CoolBet. And if you're getting ready for NFL season or want to bet on the games this weekend, use the promo code WST for a 100% deposit, up to $200 on your first deposit over at CoolBet. All right, we are going to get to a marble race coming up in a couple minutes. But I did want to, Reem, talk a little bit about that soccer game last night. What did you think of the uh, Hondurans act last night in that World Cup qualifier? Yeah, I tune in. It was nice. You know, we talked yesterday how it was going to be carried on Sportsnet after it was only streaming. And everyone was like, where can I watch these games? They even got called out, um, the two major media companies here, for not carrying, for not carrying more soccer and you know, bringing soccer. You know, we can get into that later. But the game was on. I was flipping between that and the tennis. Man, I was so turned off by watching Honduras. Um, you know they get touched and they go like the guy was going flying backwards like he's the ne- worst. like he's Neo in the Matrix. I mean they get touched. <laughs> They're like rolling down on the ground like withering in pain. Like I don't know. Like obviously no one cares about this because it's still happening. But I'm watching this game like it's such a joke. It's so embarrassing to watch and it is such a such a turnoff when you're watching soccer. Just seeing these guys. Like and that's there's there's embellishment, Huss, and this is like over the top, dramatic acting. Um, and again, it, I think it's distracting uh, for uh, maybe because I'm like a fringe soccer fan. I'm just tuning in because it's Canada going for the World Cup, but like it's a joke. Well, and, and they were way worse than a normal team. I know uh, someone said just enough. That's men's soccer. I mean, that sometimes is certainly a part of no, it. No, that's the not. Endurance is on a whole nother level, and they talked so much shit yesterday too. I mean, they're yelling at the coaches. They're beaking John Herdman. Um, I got to tell you, I, I I hope that Canada can get one up and beat them when they uh, play in the on the road game. Um, would have been nice to get the three points yesterday, but a loss would have been devastating. And man, what a tale of two halves. Canada didn't look very good in the first half. They gave up the goal on the penalty, but really carried the play in the second half. And got to tell you, they didn't get the three points. They got the one. I cannot wait for Sunday uh, because as soon as we're done watching the Bombers hopefully light up the Riders at Mosaic Stadium, we'll then flick it over to one of the other TSN channels, Canada and the United States. Canada will be a big underdog in this game. States, I believe, tied El Salvador yesterday. So a huge opportunity for the Canadians to uh, you know get some sort of result on the road against one of the top teams in CONCACAF. They're going to need to do that if they want to qualify for the World Cup. And uh, this game is going to be in front of what they expect is a pretty big crowd in Nashville, of all places, Remus. Yeah, I know they had a good crowd yesterday in Toronto, and that was pretty cool. And I'll be honest, like I haven't watched a ton of soccer, but it was awesome to see um, Alfonso Davies in action. I see a couple of people in chat just He's talking so about how, how fast he is, um, how he can move with the ball. They had a number of chances uh, late there. I know they scored on the penalty kick. They could have had another, but... Uh, I haven't been this excited about soccer, uh, you know, since I guess you know, the women's 2012 women's is when I was like my peak 
of Canadian soccer excitement. And I know they did well in the most what recent Olympics. What about two weeks ago? Well, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, aside, aside from the most, the most recent one. But yeah, this is a, a definitely exciting time. And I, you know, you keep talking about it, and I am, I'll follow this Canadian men as they, um, you know, try to get to the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, we've never had as talented a team as we do right now. We've got a legit international superstar in Alfonso Davies. I mean, Kyle Laren with the goal yes. yesterday, a couple close calls, Jonathan David as well. So, I mean, this is an exciting time as ever, and there's reason for Canadians, I think, to make a point of watching our team and seeing what they can do uh, because definitely good things are on the horizon. Hey, shout out to Owen Catelli. He's in the house. Actually, he just mentioned uh, that he's been using CoolBet, and I will agree on this. I ended. I, I cashed it with CoolBet uh, one week ago. It was so easy. He transferred my payout. Nicely done. Nicely done. Yeah. Total transparency. And you know, I was playing there before we ended up working with Chris. Um, the one thing when you're dealing with online books, I mean, you want to make sure that you know they are legit. And that's one of the things why I'm so happy to be working with them. Just as to how above board they are, and uh, at the end of the day, how easy it was to get paid uh, when you won a few bets. So yeah, CoolBet. Dot com use promo code WST if you haven't done it before. Um, the game itself, Remo, though, I, you know, the big story afterwards was a lot of the histrionics and some of the things that happened, but the Canadians did avoid disaster in losing that game. Uh, but still, you had to feel like maybe they left a little bit on the table, not getting the win, considering the way they dominated that second half. Yeah, I agree. I think the de- the game was definitely there uh, to be won. They had a lot of chances in close. You know, a couple just went out of reach. Uh, they got that penalty kick, which was well deserved. No, Honduras, uh, they didn't think it should have been a penalty <laughs> kick. But as you said, Laren uh, driving at home, going straight away, and the goalie diving away. That's those are tough. Those soccer penalty, <laughs> penalty kicks, but. Uh, yeah, I, I'm psyched. Uh, psyched for the next one. Big. It is a big uh, sports weekend, as you said. Banjo Bowl, uh, more soccer, uh, but also uh, uh, I don't know if I'm going to change topics, but I know there's a big AEW pay per view. Oh, that's and, right. And my whole my whole timeline is AEW these days, and I'm I not think? a big. I like I'm pretty familiar with the product, but I haven't like watched it at all. But I'm um, pretty. I have. It's pretty I impressive. Wa- what? Yeah, what's happening now in the world of pro wrestling? Tony Khan, I uh, got to give him. He's, of course, the son of Shad Khan, owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they own Fulham as well, or maybe Tottenham Hotspur, one of the big, you know, European uh, premiership sides. Uh, you know, he's done an incredible job at building the product, uh, kind of doing things differently than they do in WWE. And I think uh, a lot of fans are really getting into it. And then, of course, you know, CM Punk, one of the biggest stars that had not been in the ring and went eight years joining back, got a lot of headlines. He'll be on the card coming up this week. I believe it's a pay-per-view, and I believe it's on Sunday. So I'll tell you what. I mean, if you are a wrestling fan, you can go from Bombers Riders, catch a bit of Canada-USA on the pitch from Nashville, and then uh, get your wrestling fix all into a day off on Monday with two great CFL games, Calgary and Edmonton and Hamilton and the Toronto Argonauts. Hey, we should touch on the Blue Jays quickly. They were off yesterday. They open up a series tonight with Alec Manoa on the line against the Oakland A's, one of the teams that they're chasing, Remus. And considering uh, there's, what, 30 games left in the season, the Jays have 70 wins right now. If they want to be a playoff team, I mean, they need to start a run and they need to start it right now. You'd have to think that they would need to win 20, 21, 22 of these final 30 if they want to be a playoff team. 
Yeah, that's that's a tall task, Hus. Um, you know, they're a five thirty winning percentage on the season. They need to go over, you know, six six six. That's like two thirds of the games winning twenty. Um, we'll see. You know, lucky for them, Boston's uh got a COVID outbreak right now and they're uh, you know, launch it or playing a you know, not optimal lineup for them. Uh, so they are playing Oakland, Seattle's ahead of them. I'm a Seattle fan. I wear their hats all the time, but I haven't I just looking at their run differential, I haven't bought them all year as a contender. So <laughs> they're minus fifty six yes. and the the Jays have the best run differential in the AL. Uh well no among, or, like, uh, among, sorry of uh, of the teams in the wild card of race the teams in the say. wild card race yes yeah. so I mean By you're like lot. how you're like how is this team not winning more games I guess it's, you know they didn't have the bullpen you score all these runs but uh, they couldn't you know hold a lot of them at the end of games and they couldn't win these close games and I know Seattle has done really well in those close games which is how you have such a good record seventy two and sixty with a minus fifty six run differential it's uh, ridiculous looking at that in the standings so. The Blue Jays have been hoping that the you know law of averages you know works out in their favor, but they're running out of time. It's not a, it's not out of the realm possibility, Hus, but they've got a tall task ahead. Well, they certainly do. It starts tonight against the A's. We've got Alec Manoa on the hill um, tomorrow. It'll be Jose Barrios. That's an afternoon game starting, I believe, one o'clock our time or one o seven, and then a at noon start. Robbie Ray on the hill for the Jays. And then, you know, four against the Yankees, who have been red hot, four against the Baltimore Orioles, who stink. And then the Rays, Minnesota, Rays, Minnesota, Yankees, Orioles. So uh, basically, after this series against the the uh, the Oakland A's, you're basically talking about seven games against the Yankees, seven games against the Orioles, seven games against the Twins, and six games against the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, that basically is how things shake out for the Blue Jays. It'd be fun at least if they can get on a bit of a run ream and make it interesting because I think playing in playoff type games in September, very good for this young team in the long run, even if they don't make it. Yes, I agree. I hear well said by Tracy in the chat. The Blue Jays are so weird. They score a zillion runs and the bullpen blows it. And now the bullpen is working. The runs have dried up. Uh, and I think, you know, that's kind of how it's been for them. And so... Uh, and I, I just remember 2015 when you know they went to the ALCS, how excited uh, the whole country was getting on the Blue Jays bandwagon. And I would love to see that again. And you know, if there are some intense games, uh, you know, down the stretch here, I'll have my fingers crossed that we can tune in and watch. You got it. Uh, hey, Cody Karan said, Hey, I've never been into wrestling since like 2005 when WWE started to get stale, but yes, AEW is a show for the people. I tune every in every week now in your show, and Wayne Jones. Punk is a game changer. So, uh, Dave LaFantasy, forget the Jays. The Expos are coming back. I'm here for it, uh, but I'm not holding my breath on anything like that. Although there's some teams that, you know, certainly they need a stadium. I mean, they need to be able to say, we're building a stadium that's ready for the majors, ownership. I mean, there's so many things that need to go into that uh, to make it happen. Uh, all right, well, it's Friday, Reem. You know how we finish up the show on Winnipeg Sports Talk for a long weekend, and that is is getting you hooked up with an I Love Rye package courtesy of our friends and the official spirit of the Bombers Canadian Club Whiskey. I know for a fact there will be plenty of CC flowing one province over, whether it's at the pump, the press box, some of the bars in and around downtown, tailgates. Um, If you're looking to go somewhere other than beer, why not get into uh, some of the good stuff? CC Canadian Club since 1858. Uh, so we've got some Canadian club, got some glasses, 
Uh, of course, we've got some cool bomber socks that we'll put in, courtesy of Jim Beam. Of course, uh, Jim Beam, also part of the Beam Suntory family. Um, so, Reem, and I, you uh, did test out a new course last night. Yeah, I tested one yesterday. So, uh, you're in the wrong button. Tested one yesterday, and... Um... Yeah, this is this will be a good one, I I think. Uh, I don't know if I'll have any eliminations, but there's a go- there's a couple of obstacles uh, there for people. You bet. All right, uh, we'll put everyone in. If you've won in the last month, uh, we'll still put you in. But if you like, for instance, if Mark Sports Video, who won, by the way, it was great to meet Mark. He popped by, picked up his package from last week uh, on, I believe, at the end of last weekend. Uh, the Gitch, I believe, is here. Uh, who probably just finished off his uh, package from a couple weeks ago. Uh, We'll put you guys in, but if you've won in the last month, we'll be giving it to second place. Uh, Anyways, we should be good. Let's uh, start hitting up that you're here in the chat, and we'll make sure we get those all in. Remus, you let me know when you are ready to um, get these names in. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm ready to go. All right, let's start it up. Uh, David LaFantasy. Justin F, BA Split, Jet Oil Tom, T Will, Brown Eyed Girl MJD, Adam Drawward, uh, do, do, do. Waiters 27, Owen Catelli, John D, I think I said Jet Oil Tom already. Uh, we've got Schickster, uh, do, do, do. Waiters. Leslie Michnik, Mitch WHT. Who else do we have in here? Tracy O, uh, Cody Caron, Wayne Jones, Justin Fung, uh, iHeart Gaming. Uh, we got Justin F. We got there. Um, Krugs. Let's see here. I'll go back the other way. Uh, Jesse Nabs. Dave B, Andy Steven, uh, Dallas, Alabane Bailey, uh, Yakman, Zach Charnecki, and uh, hey Cody, thanks for the uh, thanks for the super chat, dude. Much appreciated. Uh, let's see, we've got here iHeart Gaming, Christopher Metz ready to go, uh, Spund MC, Stephen Marshall. Theo Seegers, Bartholomew, Rob Mahoney, David Asplin, uh, James Zelstra. Am I missing anybody else? If uh, if I missed you, pop in right now, and I'll make sure that... Uh, oh, GM Carp, who's in? Jason Jett, just log in at work. What up, Jace? Kitty Pop, 1,000. And I think that is about it. Last call for entries. Last call for entries, everyone. In the chat, Clausen, I think we've got you. Donnie P. All right. I think we are all set to go, Reem. Okay. We got tell us about tell us about our uh, tell us about our new course. We uh let me see. Oh. I think I got Winnipeg Chaster in there. Oh yeah, Winnipeg Chaster XX Rev. Let me open it. Oh, I gotta Ken open Castro. it. Ken Castro. Ken Castro, what's up? You know what, Ken, we'll put you in. Uh, but unfortunately, if you're in Boston, it probably is tough to pick it up. But uh, so, Ken, you're in. If you win, we'll give it to who's ever second place. How about that? 
yes, last call for alcohol, indeed. There is some of that. Uh, of course, Canadian club, uh, some bomber socks, some glasses. But the bottom line is you'll be pouring some great cocktails for you and your guests if you are the winner of today's Canadian club Winnipeg sports talk kicking off the long weekend marble race. Remo, let me know when we're ready to go. Okay, let me get everything settled in. We have um, 46 people in. Beautiful, beautiful. So that's good. Save as. I got to save this list. Ken, if you do win or you have someone that can pick it up, I mean, we can certainly do that. I'm. Uh, you can probably, yeah, in fact, being in, in Boston, I'm sure you can get Canadian club all around the world, but certainly with it being here and being the Canadian whiskey, um, we'll uh, have it. <laughs> T. Will. My marble has been training in Denver for the last month, too. Might have injected him with a little cheetah blood. Oh, Frosty Winnipeg. Frosty. Frosty wants in? Oh, yeah. Frosty and Larry the sports guy. Yeah, I got A couple last callers. Perfect. Okay, this is the one. That's it. We're closed. All right, here we go. We've got the... uh, What's this course called again? Express Delivery. Express Delivery. And there is apparently some interesting obstacles. I've yet to see this before, but um, I am very much. It's always one of the most fun parts of the week. Uh, For everyone that stuck around to the end of the show, great to have you with us. Uh, Again, big shout out to our friends at Manitoba Battery, our newest sponsor. I did see their mascot, Volt. Check them out on Facebook or on TikTok. They've got a funny video of Volt smashing some watermelons in in the shop today, getting ready for the Labor Day Classic. All right. Good luck to everybody. Schickster right there. Good luck all. Yes, Frosty got in there right at the end. Uh, here we go, everybody. Everyone in the chat is in the marble race. We are playing for a Canadian club. I love rye package, which includes some Canadian club and a few other neat little trinkets I'll put together for you. Whoever wins is the winner. As I mentioned, if uh, it's a recent winner, Sean, Mark Sports Video, will be giving it to uh, our second place winner. But uh, let's see what happens. Uh, Here we are, the new course on your mark. Let's set, let's go. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like a popcorn popper here. They're all coming out. Oh, my God. Look at this is great. They're going down this uh, funnel here. We'll see who comes out first. It is. Uh, is that Justin Fung? Justin Fung. Justin is in first right now. Let's see. We've got. I spelled Chris Vermette's wrong. Vermette's wrong. Uh, Vermette's wrong. <laughs> name wrong. It was, was a, fast typing. Fast I'm just, typing. I'm just trying to get them in as quick as possible. Sorry, Chris. Justin Fung in the lead. Chris Vernet in second. Uh, we've got Winnipeg. Winnipeg chased him in there. Adam Drawards in the mix. Pretty good group right now. Now we're going to get to... Oh, we've got some obstacles. Justin got slowed up a little bit, though. He's still in first place. Now we're getting into, okay, some interesting obstacles coming yeah. in for our contenders right now. Those are like jacks. I don't know what those are, but yeah, there's all this stuff in BA, the way. BA's, BA's on a heater right now. It's Justin Fung and BA basically right now going at it. Oh, they got destroyed, though, by the thing. Who's in? Jet Oil Tom is in first place right now. Smooth move. Owen Catelli making a move. Oh, this year, <laughs> anything can happen here. Jet Oil Tom. Ken Castro. Ken Castro from Boston. 
Oh, what? did we have an elimination? How did Larry the sports guy get over there? Where did Whoa, he come from? Larry the sports guy. Uh, what just happened? I have no idea. I need to see a replay. What? The, how did he get there? How did that? That is one of the most incredible. What, maybe what? he got shot up over everything. I have no idea. Where is did there he a go? We need to watch a replay. I, I didn't even see that happen. <laughs> I have not, what, me neither. What just, just happened there? At it, and all of a sudden, Larry was in. Owen Catelli, BA split. Nicely done. Larry, uh, that is what, what one of happened? the more bizarre, bizarre events we've ever had in the history of the Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Races. Larry, how about that? How did I, I go to watch There's this. no cheating. I mean, it's impossible to cheat. It's just a computer program. But Larry, Larry did potentially take a very different route, I guess. I don't know. Was there like a slingshot that dropped him all the way over? Never seen anything like that in the history of our marble races here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, I, th- I think that he must have like teleported or something to the end. We need to watch <laughs> the replay. Is there a replay? Yeah. <laughs> Can I replay this thing? I don't know. Let's see. Because, yeah, Show he finished a minute fast. This must have been the fastest thing in history. Well, well, I mean, it's it's unprecedented. It is unprecedented of what happened. And Owen, hell of a run by Owen as well. B.A. in third. Ken Castro in fourth. Gitch Lishka, another strong performance by Gitch. Top five after his big win a couple weeks ago. Albin Bale, Rob Mahoney, Dave B., Justin Fung, and Wayne Jones rounding out yeah. the top ten. Uh, a number of eliminations uh people that got out i got dnp'd i got bounced out okay. earlier i didn't see myself remus you were like fourth last as well uh, yeah the I'm mystery just... of how larry the sports guy was able to teleport to the end is something that we'll be talking about for years here on yeah. <laughs> is there a replay can can we see it it'll be maybe the most if... notorious win ever I'm not sure. Let me see if I can look it up. Because I'm exploits <laughs> one at a time in the race. Larry, nicely done. We will look to see if we can get a replay, but that was incredible. Unexpected, shocking, unprecedented, all of the above. It's a mystery. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know if we can get a replay on that, but yeah, yeah. No. Larry te- How did he do it? How did he do it? Larry, the mystery of Larry, the sports guy coming in to win. Anyways, congratulations, Larry. You are the winner today. Uh, Larry, I'm not sure if you're on Twitter. You can either send us an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com or you can uh, hit us up on Twitter in a DM or hit me up. We'll uh, arrange some time for you to pop by and pick up your I Love Rye package. Again, Canadian Club goes very well with the Labor Day Classic and goes incredibly well with long weekends. Big thanks to James and the gang. And we'll be looking forward to a sipping a little CC coming up at next Saturday's Banjo Bowl. Hey, if you popped in a little later on, Dustin Nielsen joined us. We had a great chat with Dustin. Of course, Matt Larkin as well. But just to let you know again, a week from today, next Friday, Boston Pizza City Place, about 7 o'clock. Dusty, myself, Chris Abbott, we're going to get together and do a live uh, taping of the lock shop. And we figured what a great time getting the guys together. Perfect time for a bit of a Winnipeg Sports Talk lock shop meetup. So make a point of joining us. Pop down, have a few beers, say hi. Next Friday, 7 p.m. at Boston Pizza City Place. Uh, Big thanks to all of our sponsors. Canadian Club, of course, who we just did the marble race for. Congratulations again to Larry. 
to uh, Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery on Logan. Great to have you guys on board with Winnipeg Sports Talk, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, of course, Little Brown Jug. Check out that lid today, folks. You can pick up one of these down at the tap room too. Amazing, amazing merch they've got over at Little Brown Jug. And of course, Cool Bet Canada. Remo, before we go, what's up for the weekend for you? Going out to the beach tomorrow. Um, the dinosaurs, they're la- it's their last weekend at the zoo. So I will be hitting oh. those probably Sunday morning. And I'm playing hockey on Monday for the first time in like a year. So I have some. It's the last weekend for the dinosaurs. I mean, so, where do they go? I don't know. Hibernation. Um, the <laughs> the dinosaur thing is only at the zoo from like April to September sixth. So uh, they're going away, and I don't know. They'll bring some some other exhibit in there. But yeah, the, di- the dinosaurs last weekend. So uh, I'll, I'll have to. I have to make sure I get that in. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, certainly taking in the CFL games, little U.S. college football on tomorrow. Maybe be doing a couple sprinkles over at Cool Bet for that. Then, of course, Sunday. What a sports day we've got coming up. Bombers, Riders, Canada, USA, and World Cup qualifying. And then, yes, for you wrestling fans, that big AEW event a little bit later on. Everybody, have a wonderful weekend to everyone that's listening on the podcast, driving out west to the Labor Day Classic. Have an amazing time. It doesn't get much better than Bombers Riders on Labor Day weekend. Travel safely back here and make sure you join us next Tuesday after the long weekend. We'll fire it up post-Labor Day, getting ready for NFL kickoff, the latest around the National Hockey League. And of course, by then, Reem, well, we'll find out tomorrow on what the Montreal Canadiens are doing because they've got one more day to make their decision on the Asperi Kokaniemi offer sheet. We'll certainly have followed from that as well. Yes, uh, I'm excited. Like 6.30 is the deadline or something? 5.30? I guess it depends if you're Eastern or Central. So they haven't said anything. I don't think they're going to match. I think they're looking to make some other deal. So uh, it'll be exciting uh, when that happens for sure. Yeah, I'm sort of leaning that way as well. I think it's just too difficult for them to do it right now. But uh, well, no, neither is, needless to say, we'll have lots to talk about coming out of what's going to be an amazing Labor Day weekend. And then will be 48 hours away from NFL kickoff as well. Folks, have a great weekend. Thanks to everyone that joined us live on YouTube. Lots of fun. Congrats to Larry and your mysterious victory in today's marble race. And shout out to everyone listening on podcast. Thanks again to all of our sponsors. Thanks to you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Tuesday on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.